Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before Christine can say anything, she showed me the cutest little picture of her little baby. <laughs> oh, it was the sweetest picture I've seen so far of little Leona. Oh, oh she's a little bug. I mean, she did, I, as I was saying, slice her forehead open in the middle of the night with her fingernails, and I just heard bloody screaming coming from her crib. But um, I, I trimmed her little nails today, so that shouldn't happen anymore. But Oh, um, baby. she. I really... I told christine before we started recording that the picture is currently zoomed up all the way on my computer <laughs> and then i said like okay okay i i i i, I took the picture down and i lied she's so <laughs> cute i'm just still Aww. looking at her well it makes me happy that you guys love her you and eva makes me happy because she loves you like i said even if she doesn't know yet she's right, yeah. gonna love you so much F- future her loves the crap out of me i'm very oh, yeah ex- very excited to meet future her and didn't you say you're bringing joke because you're gonna see her soon i um, am well because we have a show in cincy coming out right and so you're gonna bring all sorts of jokes and i i asked if it was just pictures of the ceiling but it sounds like you have more planned i have a couple a couple things up my sleeve that i'm, I'm ready to to try out uh see Did we ever how talk she reacts? about the ceiling on the show i don't know i feel like i said it quite a lot when i first met her because it was okay. just like such a weird christine thing she's like, just really enamored with the ceiling is the whole story it all. just feels like something if i had heard that about you as a baby i'd be like fits right <laughs> in makes a lot of sense so i think i said it a lot uh okay it was my favorite factoid when i first met her got it okay but now it's just that she's so cute and she has a little mohawk coming in. She's so sweet. Yeah, her hair's growing in very fast. She's laughing. All she does is laugh constantly, um, which makes Wait, me laugh. It makes me feel sad because when I get there with a bunch of jokes, it'll be the quietest she's <laughs> oh, ever been. Oh, no. I shouldn't have set the bar so high. So does she have uh, Didn't Weren't you bald for like two years? <laughs> My mother says a lot of things. She doesn't listen to this show, so I'm going to take this moment to just kind of say gently, my mother says a lot of things. And yes, I did not have that much hair growing up um, as like a baby. I mean, I had hair, like I had like little pigtails, but it wasn't. You still don't in, in a couple in a couple little dots. You still, you're still yeah, exactly. Some. I still do, but yeah. So she's getting a lot a lot more hair than I had at that age. So she's getting hair real quick, and my mother is very excited to be able to. Um, braid the hair of a not bald baby as oh, she calls it right now you could yeah. just take your little fingers and pinch and twist and that's just about as far teeny, as you can go tiny little bow on top yeah. speaking of bald spots i just found out that i'm getting one really on the side it's such a weird place it's like right it's above a my male ear. pattern baldness it feels like it a little bit i've like i'm going to like color it in with a sharpie because is it you... from sleeping 
on it? I don't know. I feel like it's always kind of been there in hindsight, but my hair has always been kind of like either, well, it was long for a very long time. And then half the time it's been short. I procrastinate getting it cut. So it always gets really shaggy before I cut it. So I think only like a small period of time have I even been able to notice it. And how often am I, how often am I looking above my ear? You know, when you're doing your profile view, you're like, (laughs) yeah, in the mirror. Yeah. So no, Allison noticed it a couple days ago and now I keep looking at it and I'm like, oh, this is karma for all the times I've made fun of you. So on my bald spot. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's I'm finally matching you, I think, a little bit. We'll make them we'll bump heads and make them kiss when I see you. (laughs) We're already scratching faces. I don't know about that. Something about a genital bridge. I remember that. Oh, my God. Not the genital bridge. Oh, now I'm going to close the picture of your baby off of my screen. Thank you for taking her out of that. I wanted her out of the narrative. She did not deserve that. Why do you drink this week, Christine? Oh, well, okay. This is going to be something. I'm just going to. Oh, no. Your face. You're making oh, the God. face of like, what's Christine doing this time? It's, um, it's. You mean the face I make every day of my life. <laughs> Even when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, no. I'm like, I, some, there's a chill in the air. What's Something's going on? afoot. There's yeah. a chill in the air. Um, okay. Well, so just real quick. I was going to say this before my story, but I'm just going to say it now, which is that Last week, or like last episode that you and I recorded actually yesterday, um, I covered a Hungarian story. And then it occurred to me as I prepped for this one that this is a Russian story. And Hungary and Ukraine are are bordering nations. And it just occurred Mm. to me like, is it weird not to say anything? This is weeks away that this comes out so i don't know what the state of the world will be right i just wanted to be i didn't want anyone to be like is she just like fucking totally totally overlooking over ukraine when like she's talking about like war-torn you know Mm -hmm. people coming ptsd coming home from so i just wanted to like do a quick like uh i the the problem is there's not i feel like there's not much i can even do well you have no idea of when this comes out you have no idea of what the future's context is right i don't know where things stand and i've gotten conflicting reports on like how to best help as far as what to donate and and whether to donate physical goods or not because well Mm -hmm. a a lot of that's happening on mainland or in europe in general but b like you know a lot of it's too much and it's getting thrown away and is being wasteful um but anyway so like my mom for example teaches german class online like that's one of her jobs um in addition to being professor and so her company is doing something really cool where they're offering free classes to uh refugees who are leaving ukraine and uh are in germany so she's able to teach german to people who are fleeing ukraine and like teach just basic stuff to get around and that kind of thing and so i just i I felt very helpless um and so i think that's why i didn't even say anything because like i didn't know what to say sure um but so i just i wanted to say real quick that we're i'm gonna put uh in the show notes like just a list of uh on charity navigator just a list of highly rated charities that put oh, nice. okay. a majority of the funds actually toward relief rather than you know some of the more sketchy ones that have been going around there are speaking of true Quite crime <laughs> there are some like very fraudulent things happening people trying mm-hmm. to draw money which is so fucked up but whatever uh and so um i'm just gonna also list my two favorite um, or three favorite, I guess, Save the Children, Shelterbox USA, and then the Humane Society International Division, which um, is where I donated. And that's currently offering pets and people fleeing Ukraine emergency funding and pet food, blankets, veterinary care for animals, 
which, you know, sometimes gets overlooked when there's like a humanitarian crisis. So anyway, I just want to throw that out there and say, you know, if you're kind of lost like I am, um, uh, (laughs) yeah, I know uh, probably a lot of us, um, you know, my if you are from the area, if you are affected or your family is uh, from either Russia or Ukraine or anywhere nearby, I um, my heart goes out to you. And uh, mm-hmm. I guess let us know what's most helpful as yeah. far as activism we would love or that. what we can do. Even though we have a platform, we definitely don't want to misdirect anybody. Yeah, so if you, exactly, exactly. If you have information that can help us help others, you know, we're very open to it. So absolutely. And so yeah, so I'll just put that in the show notes. But um, that was just my little sidebar because I, I went to bed last night thinking like, Ugh, I feel kind of weird that I didn't say anything. Mm. Um, no worries. I, know. I, I don't think I hope no one would hold it against you. But this is also weeks away. So Fingers crossed we live in a utopia in just Oof. a matter of a month. Can you imagine? All the pets are healthy. All the people are reunited. It's all <laughs> Putin's like, cars, just kidding. Cars float across <laughs> water. We, just every problem has been solved. Every's, so. Everything's good. Oh. Anyway, well, what do you drink, Emma? I'm sorry to totally, you know, uh, throw no. us in that direction. but uh, Hmm. Why do I drink? Um, should I talk about what's going on or no? Sure. Boy, okay, so, I mean, do you have the time? Because we're going to have to... Let's do it. Okay, everybody, here's what's been going on. Does so... Eva know it yet, or is she going to hear this now? No, I don't think Eva does it. Or, okay. no, I, about my, my stuff going on? Yeah. Uh, I think, I told her, like, a snippet yesterday. Oh, okay. But... So, God, it's, like, happening as I'm talking. Probably because so... you're getting nervous. <laughs> I know. So, uh, hmm... So I've always had this thing. Actually, this is a great PSA for people out there who might feel really lost because I certainly felt lost. Great and, point. Uh, if I can help you at fucking all, let's mm-hmm. get into that. Um, so since I was little, I've had this weird condition with my, I never knew if it was like my blood pressure or my heart. I kind of mentioned it last week that I was switching medications around and going to doctors, but uh yeah, I've had this thing since I was a little kid, but it was so infrequent at the time, and now it seems to be getting worse as I'm getting older, where I still can't really put it into words, and it's going to make zero sense to anyone unless you're a cardiologist um, or have already been diagnosed before me. But I've had some weird issue where at random, like truly as random and spontaneous as like what I imagine seizures, you know, people with seizures have to deal with. I will all of a sudden have these crazy heart palpitations, which I think for a long time, even I thought away as like anxiety or I just thought like, oh, I just bent weird or maybe I, you know, I don't really know what what was happening. But for at random moments, my heart would just freak the fuck out Mm -hmm. where the first time I was 12 and I just jumped into the pool like I did a cannonball and there was something about the impact of like, Mm I felt like my heart maybe like skipped a beat for a second and that's what caused it. Or one time when I was uh, in high school, I was like wrestling with someone. I like hit the ground and the impact of that kind of caused it and like jolted me into this weird episode. Um, And then it didn't really happen through high school or, uh, or any after, after that didn't happen after high school for a while or through college. I feel like it only really started back up when I was hitting my twenties or once I got to maybe Boston and LA And I don't know how to describe it to people, except that it feels one, like you're going to die. I assumed I was having what, like maybe like mini heart attacks or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just fucking surviving each and every one of them. (laughs) But I, 
it felt the best way I can describe it um, for other people to understand the feeling is like, it feels like I either ran a marathon with zero experience or I like sprinted up a thousand flights of stairs. And now I'm trying to like impress somebody next to me and like act like I'm not out of breath and I'm trying to talk through it, but it's like such an intense heartbeat, such a fast and throbbing heartbeat that there's just no, you know, faking it. Um, but it feels like that cannot catch my breath no matter how hard I try. My heart's going like a million miles an hour. Only recently I started actually checking my heart rate whenever it would happen. And it was like always hitting like 150, 160, which by the way, like is not good if you, mm-hmm. if the only thing that happened is like, you're just sitting mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, we were backstage at a show and Em was like, Oh, 155. And I was like, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And it's happened. It, it was always so weird. There was a long time where I was keeping notes of it because I was like, one day when I talked to a doctor about this, I want to have a log of, mm-hmm. or what, you know, I had told doctors about it before and they were like, Oh, it's just anxiety. And we could get into that whole thing if we wanted to about how a lot of problems get overlooked very quickly with either anxiety or weight. Sure. But, um, so I was keeping a log of when it would happen and it really made no sense. It'd be like, Oh, I sat down at a restaurant or, Oh, I bent down to tie my shoe or I laughed too hard. And maybe I breathed in the wrong way. And that kind of jolted it. Like it would be fucking anything. Mm-hmm. I noticed kind of a, um, a heavier frequency of when, if it were like when I went from standing to sitting or sitting to standing and it was kind of that weird equilibrium mm-hmm. moment, or again, like an impact of like hitting the floor and wrestling or jumping into water, like, or even jumping on a trampoline and falling a wrong way. Like impact was one of the things that caused it more often. But there were times where like, I was just sitting and having dinner with Allison, not stressed about anything. And all of a sudden it would just happen. Mm -hmm. And here's the real kicker that stumped many a doctor up until recently was that the only way I can fix it Because when I tell you it's a lot of pain, I can't fight through it. There's no faking it. And if I don't do anything about it, it will happen for hours and I'm sweating and I'm exhausted and I can't breathe. And I really think I'm going to like probably die. Uh, The only way to fix it is to throw my body over something and be completely upside down until the blood rushes to my head. And it's such a weird, I don't know how, I don't know how I discovered it. I must've been lying on a bed at one point and just was praying I wouldn't die and my head must have been thrown over the bed and that's what fixed it but when I do that for as much pain as I'm in for as long as it would last if I hadn't done that uh within like 30 seconds completely fine like I'm Mm -hmm. jumping around I'm dancing I'm like like you would never even know I'm totally back to normal and so up until recently it was very easy to just run off and find something to throw my body over whether I was in public, I could go to the bathroom or something, or, um, if there was a bench, I could lay on that one time I laid in my car in the back mm-hmm. and just like stuck my head, like I let my head just lie on the public sidewalk. Cause I was desperate. Um, but it has gotten a lot worse recently and for no real reason nothing has changed in how I'm doing things. It just seems to have decided now's the time to happen more often. Uh, and it happened to coincide with us being on tour where I found out that anxiety exacerbates it. Oh, you um, guys. it was so been scary. And here's Christine's turn to jump in and tell <sighs> how it's been on her side while we've been touring. 
Uh, I don't have, I don't even want to make it about me at all. So no, you're not, you're not like, like what? I mean, I was just really scary. I mean, we would be some, we like M was, cause I've seen M nervous beyond any form of nervousness when our first tour, like when we first did live shows, we were both so nervous. We were vomiting. Like we were so fucking nervous, (laughs) Yeah, like in a literal way. And so to see you now, a whole other level like not even the same person like nervous but like with like full-on and it and, and it, so it it took away the like the excuse of in my brain of like oh i'm just really nervous because it's like no i've seen i'm nervous this isn't just mm-hmm. like anxiety heart palpitating like something yeah cardio something's wrong yeah the, like the car something cardiologically is that a word <laughs> is I don't wrong know. something either a pulmonologist or a cardiologist should be very aware and, of like we happening. were really afraid that like M would have to go to the ER and we wouldn't do the show. And I mean, not that I'm worried well, about the show, but like, well, my, my big fear, which was, it was so weird. Cause I didn't know at the time it was brought on more by stress, which is so interesting. Cause I was arguably severely more stressed during our That's first what I'm tour. Saying. That's why I was so, so baffled. So why didn't it happen yeah. then? It really just, I don't know if it's because I've just been inside for two years and maybe there's something that I'm not aware yeah. of, or I don't know. But so, uh, it, yeah, it was really, I like, I was nowhere near as nervous. Th- I mean, I was nervous. I was very nervous and still have stage fright. But the in- the anxiety, I guess, was uh, after our first show, I even, like, came off stage and I was, like, shaking. I'd never done that before. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, what what happened? I think my my big fear is that I, like, my my new anxiety that's come with this tour before I had figured out my medications, which I'm still doing, by the way, so the fear hasn't totally left. But um, my big fear wasn't even the show because we have talked about the show for two years that we're doing right now and how fucking good it is. I have zero fear about the show going well at this point, which is a big thing. I'm very proud of our show. But the anxiety was now coming from the fact that at any moment, because it happened so randomly, it could happen in a year, it could happen in five minutes, that this like weird heart thing blood pressure thing happens and then like there's no fighting it there's no faking it while i'm on stage i would just have to stand up in front of everyone and be like i have to go be upside down for 30 seconds backstage i'll be right back and it was like it was like my biggest like i started like crying to christine backstage during one of our shows because i was like what if i have to leave you on stage and christine was like just leave it's fine i know and i was like please like if if, and also if anyone would understand it's our audience like that you have something health wise but then em also made a good point of like you know then everyone would be so supportive and they would come back on stage and everyone would start cheering and clapping and it was like and then i'll probably just set it off again you know yeah so christine actually made a really good point that one of the reasons my so i i originally thought it was a blood pressure thing because i was noticing that whenever my blood pressure was really high it was once i started monitoring this once my blood pressure was really high it was more likely to happen and so i was assuming this was a blood pressure thing not a heart thing and uh i i think it was anytime someone would cheer this is not by the way a deterrent i we still like i still have an ego and i'm still a gemini and we're still doing a show and we're very nervous please cheer when you see us but uh when i was earlier on trying to figure out what was going on christine made the great point of like maybe your body's freaking out because even though people are cheering your body can't register like if the excitement is good or bad like something to be stressed out about or not 
I think the juice, I think you're yeah, the one that Yeah, yeah, well, that. yeah, like the idea that stress is just your body being like, I'm going to die without yeah. any sort of context. And it's like, no, no, this is good stress. Like, yeah, yeah. I good think clapping. My, I think my body couldn't figure it out. So then there was one part of the show where people always applaud. And I was like, oh, please don't, please don't. I hope this doesn't set anything off. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but so uh, we ended up, first of all, thank you uh, to... I won't give names, but people who have given me a lot of advice during this. And, uh, I ended up, we ended up finding out that propranolol was actually was by accident, again, a miracle cure because not only was I taking it for anxiety, but it happened to be a blood pressure medication. Right. It was just like very, very convenient, um, that I happened to already have the prescription for what might be helpful. I was every night after the shows, I was like, on TikTok and Google and trying to figure out like what the fuck was going on with me. And I had some ideas and all of them were either blood pressure or heart things. Um, and I was like, just trying to get through the shows. Uh, it was whenever there was a show where people I knew were there, it was so much worse. Oh, yeah. and, and there's this thing now where like, I like m the stress is so bad that like, I can't even like go up like three steps of stairs without it, like it completely triggering this weird condition. Mm hmm. Um, and this is only when I'm on tour, when I'm not on tour, it is like nowhere near as bad. It's just that my, I mean, anxiety is so much higher when we're on tour. And so but if you ever like saw us before the show and we were like, really panicky, out really of the way, get out of the way or whatever. It was not a personal thing. We're not assholes. We were just like, we need to make sure I was trying in a safe space. God, can we talk about DC really quick? Yeah. I was hoping we'd get to talk about DC. DC was really rough for me. Um, First of all, oh. everyone I know was there. And so oh that made it so much worse. Also, that was only show three when as of show one, I found out that I was shaking on stage and couldn't breathe. And I, and show two was when I was crying backstage to Christine because I was like, I don't know if I can even go on. Like, I can't Seattle, breathe. Seattle, Portland, you couldn't tell, right? Because that's what I said. I was like, I don't <laughs> think anyone can tell because you are such a good actor slash you I know. was white knuckling it, but I, I did it. I don't want to make it sound like I wasn't enjoying the no, show. Like I it was, was just, right. We did have fun. It was, was just like so, there was an edge I, of fear. I was so hyper aware. I yeah. was like, I was just like so ready to, to accidentally fall over on stage. And so, <laughs> uh, and so then DC came around where I was the most stressed because people I knew were there. Like everyone from high school was there. And so this is when I found out about the stair thing. And it was because the way we were supposed to get on stage was to go up all of these fucking stairs. Who just thinking about it. Oh my God. And so, uh, as we were going upstairs, which I found out mid going up the stairs was a fucking problem. We also got recognized and I feel so bad to the two people who saw us before the show <laughs> because I must've looked like such an asshole, but I couldn't breathe. And was so it the one who fell into a tree. Yeah, she also fell into a tree, so we both had things to feel maybe a little I silly hope that about. You're okay, by the way. I felt bad that we were like, "Bye, uh, you fell into I a tree. See ya." More, I wanted to help you up and be like, "Are you okay?" And I, I really, if I bent over, it was gonna, <laughs> the show wasn't gonna happen. You would have I'm been sorry. the death of M. Schultz. Yeah, <laughs> you had to carry that weight on your shoulders. And so, I mean, DC was just so bad. I was even the upside down thing was barely working because I couldn't okay. find up. I couldn't this... find. I couldn't find a platform security guard steep enough for my head to go over. So it was only half working the whole time. And what was his name? Trey? I think so. so I think it was, I think it was like, honestly, yeah. Christine, I couldn't even tell you what, what half of that. Night was so, like. uh, this poor guy, he is like, I'm, I'm on it. I got you. What do you need? Blah, blah. And I'm like, we had to push the show. Um, 
because I was like, Em needs a minute to just like, you know, get their head straight, whatever. Um, and we were performing at a synagogue. <laughs> like, okay, random, but cool. Um, and so we're kind of backstage behind this like synagogue. And of course, there's not really like a, uh, what do you call those tables you said again? The tables, the tables. That you, a chiropractor table. Oh, an inversion table. Yeah, it's not like there's like an inversion table or anything or even a regular table back there. So Em's like, hang on and has to go up these stairs and like hang off them. And this security guard tray keeps looking at me and I'm like, oh, don't worry about Em. They're fine. Don't worry about it. I was literally it. just like planking on stairs, like just hoping that it would work. And my head was like on this dirty floor. I've had my head on a lot of dirty floors trying to get this <laughs> upside down thing to work. And you don't even drink. And then, uh, so we did the show. I'm to kick ass whatever and then we got off stage and Trey gosh it was something like that the security guard was like just looked at you and was like you did such a good job it was such a fun show and I was so scared and I laughed oh. so much and it was the nicest thing and like he was clearly just oh Eva said it was Trey okay yeah he was just like so like hyping you up and it was it was just wonderful um well, I, in portrait, I think at any moment he was ready to like catch my body he really if I fell over. I mean, he was, he looked scared because I gave him a lot of reasons to be scared backstage. I was not okay. And, uh, and yeah, and like we even, by the way, if you were at any of our earlier shows and it was delayed, it was because I was just trying to breathe. So I'm sorry you had to sit there for another half an hour. I felt really guilty. And like, I was like trying to calm down my anxiety while there was literally a countdown next to me. And I was like, it's oh, very, fuck. it's very tough. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, and also shout out to poor Eva and Christine, cause I have been like such a different person on this tour. I've been so like introverted and like hiding in my hotel room. Cause I just, am trying to breathe well, until like the show time, like helpless. Like, I just feel like I, and then I try to help and I'm like, that doesn't help. That makes it worse. So I feel like I've also been kind of distant, but only cause I'm trying to not invade your space. It's, oh, it's like, nothing can fix it though, which is so weird. Like. Even if I don't, even if I just like relax for three days in the city or like in the, in my hotel, instead of like exploring the city, it doesn't change anything. Once I get there, it's still the same stupid yeah. thing. But anyway, so all this to say that I ended up, um, finding out that propranolol is actually one of the very big helpful things that, Good. Uh, and so we've been testing the dosage and it's been helping. I still haven't found the sweet spot, but it's certainly better than it was and for anyone who has heard anything and it sounds familiar to what you might be experiencing and maybe doctors haven't properly diagnosed you yet i'm not here to properly diagnose you but i would ask them about something called svt um which is what they're pretty sure i have um they the doctor called me textbook and average which feels somehow really good and uh, in a medical sense that's an excellent thing to hear <laughs> yeah so it's I don't totally understand the whole science of it, but it seems like my, I have like a, a faulty electrical wiring in my heart where there's the way he was describing it was that usually most hearts go like boom, 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 boom. But for some reason, one of my boom, booms will sometimes get stuck in like this little, like, like a pothole or like think of it like a pinball machine. And so the boom, boom doesn't know where to go. Oh no. And so my heart's gone all over the place. And so the one that I have is called, uh, or what they think I have, we're monitoring me currently. Um, but I think it's called a, it's a N V R T a V N R T. Um, it's uh, the most common type of SVT and the long version of it, in case you want to look it up is called paroxysmal atrial superventricle tachycardia. Yikes. 
So uh, they are very confident that they can help me. And if you are someone who is experiencing this weird heart thing for no reason, um, you especially if you were born uh, with female anatomy, that seems to be it seems to be a very common thing for people. Oh, with, really? For uh, female born people to be to get this around their 20s or 30s or have had it latent since childhood and it starts showing up in their 20s and 30s. So uh-huh. which bada bing, bada boom. Bada so bing, bada boom. also we can thank Gammy, rest in peace, for the arrhythmia she has given me because apparently this it falls under the arrhythmia umbrella. So um, they are figuring out what to do with me currently. But if you are, which is so weird because I've now been looking through TikTok for answers and this SVT community seems to be very small with shockingly minimal videos where like I go to TikTok these days instead of like WebMD because I'm like someone someone would be able to give me like their personal experience and I haven't seen a lot but when I when I told the cardiologist about this upside down thing uh he was like I think because I was like every time I've told a doctor this it, it like really stumps them they aren't able to to do anything with that information. They don't know how I'm fixing it by accident. And this doctor basically said, I think you inadvertently discovered a new way to, um, to try this maneuver that we usually recommend to people. Blaze was describing the maneuver yesterday because he's like, I see this in the ER and that's what Mm -hmm. we do. And I was like, that's the upside down thing. Yes. So, uh, by the way, if you have SVT and you, cause I was seeing on, like it was so, it looked really scary on TikTok that like a lot of people with SVT are like, oh, I had to go to the hospital and like I had to get like all, you know, they had to shoot me up with a bunch of stuff to like stop my heart. And I was like, oh my God, I hope, have any of them tried the upside down thing? So if you have Blaise SVT. Literally said, yeah, one of them is uh, they stop your heart for a few seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and you feel I, like you're dying. I was like, that cool. Was, that was a lot of the TikToks I saw. And I was like, oh God, like, thank God that it has, it has not gotten to that point for me. Um, although if you are someone who's experienced it, I'm so sorry, but if you like a, like a quick, uh, a quick fix that has worked for me, try it for yourself is literally just go find a bed or a bench or something and lie on your belly, throw your head and your arms over and just like to a point where you feel like you're going to not be able to breathe because there's so much blood rushing to your head. And after like 30 seconds, it has helped me every time up until now. So I'm going to join your medical concierge just so I can call you and <laughs> <laughs> tell me what to do. Anyway, I get, I am not a doctor, but it, it has worked every time for me. And I feel so bad that all these TikToks look like people are just sitting there and suffering. And I've done that before and it's You've awful. Done that. So, so try the, Put try the upside time. down thing. And again, it's called SVT. If you're interested, uh, if you are someone who has SVT, um, I really haven't seen a big, I'm brand new by the way, so I could be missing some really important links, but I haven't found a big community for it yet. And, um, if anyone out there knows of places to like look around and stuff, that'd be super cool. Slide into those DMS, baby. Yeah. I'm, uh, and for people wondering what the treatment is, I'm shockingly propranolol is one of the old school methods. And so they've been trying to put me on different medication, but it's actually made things a little worse. And so we are going back to propranolol until I'm not on tour anymore because we at least, at least we know that works. Yep. And then, um, we're going to try a different medicine. And if that doesn't work, then I guess I can just ride the propranolol train for the rest of my life. Unless I want to do, um, a surgery called a surgery called an ablation. Yes. Which is, minor heart surgery and it's outpatient shockingly because it doesn't sound like an outpatient procedure but basically it is a catheter 
in your leg. This is the most horrific, and that's yeah, why I drink part, I've ever talked this about. This part makes me upset. It's a catheter from like one of the main arteries or veins or something in your leg, and it they with a camera, I guess, or something, and it goes all the way up your body and into your heart, and then they burn away the little potholes, or that's what I'm calling them, at least the little pinball machine yeah. parts. Um, and they say it is 95 to 98% successful. And I never have another one of these episodes, but TikTok is also currently scaring me because so many videos have said that people have had to get three or four ablations and it's not working. Oh my God. Well, if you go on TikTok to find, I know, I know, uh, I know. I, so I would like some success stories, uh, if there are any out there, because it, it really terrifies me that I might just have to be on medication forever. And apparently it is genetic. So I, I was terrified. I was like, did I do something to myself? Was like, like what happened? And they were like, no, it's just always they were like, there, it so. was that cannonball in <laughs> 1998. <laughs> Why do you think I was 12 in 1998? What's happening? I don't know. Cause you are the the crypt keeper uh, <laughs> anyway that was very we literally talked for a half an hour but it's been something that i haven't been it's talking been a about big fucking deal in the background of our lives that it's like been a really big deal so I, also this, i'm glad you guys could be in on it now yeah and i it's not that i haven't been um trying to hide it from people it's just i didn't have answers and so there was i really as much as i appreciate everyone always sending in like their tips and suggestions i was worried that I was going to be getting a lot of conflicting answers and then confuse myself. Just and, make it even more confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and probably add to your anxiety, which doesn't help the situation. Yeah. And so I, uh, I'm sorry, I, I've been keeping everyone in the dark about this, but I also, you know, didn't want to freak anyone out, but it, it has been a big deal at our tour. And just so you, just now that I can say it openly, if for some reason we're delayed for a second at our live shows, if there's like, if you sit there for an extra 20 minutes, I'm so sorry. It's probably me not being able to breathe. So please be <laughs> kind. <laughs> please be kind. Um, and also, uh, this is, we're recording this before our like Pittsburgh, Boston, whatever shows. So, so like, I know it'll, know. it'll come out after. So we don't know, but, but M has at least gotten answers before that leg of the tour before Pittsburgh, yes. Brooklyn, all that. So at the very least, if you were at our first, like what, six shows, I don't know. Um, uh, thank you for coming out. I hope you had fun. I think it was a blast. Um, I had a, I did, I did have a blast in, in between, you know, you did great in between the other parts. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm glad everyone, if, if this story at all helps you, I really thought I was alone, especially when so many doctors were like, I don't know how to help you. And I, it just, I felt like when we were like, we we're in the middle of our tour and I was like, I really need to find out what's going on before the next leg of our tour. When like, like, what if I don't have enough medicine? What if I don't, what if I need yeah. more medicine? Like no one's listening to me. And, um, it was really scary that we were like coming down to the wire of my next set of shows. And I thought I was going to have to deal with the same stuff. So, well, um, um, if, if this helps anybody and you feel alone, it is probably maybe SVT. And I would like to add to that. Um, I feel, I consider this a win for myself because, <laughs> Uh, I got a free pizza out of it. <laughs> you sure did. And this is why. So uh, years ago, I was telling Christine about this weird heart thing or whatever. I w I've always called it my upside down thing because I didn't know a word for it. <laughs> and I was telling them about my upside down thing, Christine and Blaze. And at the time, it was it happened so infrequently. It wasn't even on my radar. I should really like super duper right. be worrying about it. Um, and I was like, I just don't know what it is. I'd love, I just want a doctor to be able to tell me what's going on. And the only person who has ever been able to properly diagnose me was Blaze 
Lampunyale, aka Lampunyale. <laughs> aka Mr. Schieffer himself. And so it <laughs> he's he really he said said it like 2017, 2018. He was like he was like, Yeah, I just came back from like a lecture and they just they mentioned something called like SVT. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, I don't really know anything about it, but it's, it sounds a little like SVT. And I was like, oh, all right, well, I'll look into that. And then I like looked it up and I was like, that sounds similar. But then there were so many other things that also sounded kind of similar. So it, it kind of not really fell into the background, but was amongst the puddle of confusion. And I never, is my own stupid fault. I never looked super in depth into it, but he said SVT forever ago. And I wrote it down in my notes. And then this doctor yesterday was like, Oh, that's like textbook, textbook SVT. I Blaise was so happy that, uh, I mean, obviously he's mostly happy that you're finding a solution to your, he woes. can be happier for the pizza. I, but I, he was, no, but I, he was so happy. He got it right. He was like, damn, like, yeah, he, but then he was like, yeah, it makes so much sense because we had talked about it so much recently. And I guess, he just assumed like SVT had been written off or whatever. And he's like, I don't know. It could be pots. Like he was listing other things. And then yesterday I was like, oh, it was SVT, that thing you said years ago. And he was like, oh, like it makes so much fucking sense why they why M goes upside down. And in the yeah. ER, we have to stop their hearts. And I was like, okay, eat your pizza. It's M like, sent you please pizza. just make people go upside down now. It, like it yeah, works. It hey, works. Those beds probably can do that, you know. Maybe. I, I haven't tried an inversion. I can't imagine like having this experience and also trying to like suit up for an inversion chair. That seems but... <laughs> like a nightmare. That seems like a nightmare. Just throw them over a counter. You'll, they'll be fine. But uh, yeah, so I, I called Christine yesterday and I was like, that fucking blaze that that fucking baby daddy of yours i'm so had proud of the him. nerve but so yesterday blaze got himself a free pizza that so was very nice and so did christine for doing absolutely nothing and so, so did christine thank you for doing nothing okay here's i'll end on this though is that our second show i was like having a full-blown like panic attack i don't think i've cried a lot in front of you but no. like I was sobbing because I was so oh. scared to go on stage. But I remember like wanting a hug from Christine. And I know this is like such a weird, it, it's meant to be a compliment, but I was like, Christine's a mom. And I was like, I just went Aww. to go hug you. And I was like, she'll take care of me. So and I felt like up- such an idiot. I was like literally signing lemons or something for the <laughs> VIP rule. And I was like, hey. And then like you looked at me and I was like, oh no. <laughs> I think Christine was like, back to my lemons. No, 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 no. I was like, please leave. I'm busy. No, 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 it was, it was very sweet. So, but I really, and I do appreciate cause Christine also, I mean, not to totally throw, throw you exposed, throw me under anywhere, the bus here, I don't care. but, uh, but we've talked about it before about live shows with Christine oh, and, yeah, yeah. and you know, if you ever had to run off stage cause of your chronic Elvis, uh, <laughs> one of us might have to abandon ship one of these days. I always assumed that you'd be the one to me have too. to, to run off and i would just have to handle the show by myself and i was going to be totally fine with it and, and not uh, to be gross but mine would take a lot longer than 30 seconds to resolve itself so honestly uh, that but it <laughs> well it maybe it did help where like i was like oh like i also like for all it can you imagine if i had an svt episode and you had crohn's hit at the same time and we were just like gotta go everyone bye <laughs> you were hanging <laughs> off of something i was in the bathroom eva's just like what the f- <laughs> fuck do i do be like even get on stage handle this Eva, uh, it's your moment but no and also uh lisa lampanelli i've i told her about this too because i was like what do i do like if i'm if we're on stage and i have to go and lisa made me f- feel a lot better too just because she's been on so many stages it was nice to hear her opinion of it and christine had mentioned it before even mentioned it before i already knew this but it felt nice to hear from another performer that mm-hmm 
it is so clear to everybody that knows our show that our audience, I really got to give a shout out to our audience, even though Mm -hmm. they didn't know that they were doing anything, but the amount of support and the Mm -hmm. amount of awareness people try to bring to their, you know, any illness, whether it's mental health issues or if it's, you know, uh, like a invisible chronic issue, or if it's, you know, just trying to be more aware of, you know, disability in general. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't want to offend anybody, but I hope I'm not. I just, I think it's, everyone has inadvertently curated this really wonderful community where when I was asking Lisa, like, what do I do? They were like, your audience of all audiences would understand if you Mm -hmm. needed to leave for 30 seconds and come back because of anxiety. So it's true. I gotta, I gotta give everybody a thank you for being so kind and for being so obviously supportive that yeah. even other people can tell that, that other people there are wouldn't like, be you a have problem. nothing to worry about yeah 100 so, anyway thank you in advance if something ever happens but know that we are figuring it out and i'll give you all updates now that i have some answers so i don't think i can tell you just how like i i literally slept more peacefully last night because i was so happy <laughs> that too. you yeah i bet that you are finding an answer because it was just such a well, like I've been there too of like something's wrong with my body and I can't figure out what it is. And it's just the most draining, helpless feeling. Yeah. It's and all, it's not fun for doctors to be like, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, no. if you don't know, I don't fucking know. <laughs> exactly. And to try different things that don't work. And so I'm just, there's just like this weight off. I'm just so happy for yeah. you. Anyway, I, this is why I said like a half an hour ago, are we, are you okay for us to talk about this? We can talk about Ukraine again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, like, wow, I really found a way to turn the whole Russia Ukraine thing into like about me. I really switched up the gears really Listen, quickly. Well, this is what we do on the show. Just jump from, you know, just problem to problem to problem. Always jump back to ourselves, you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> but anyway, thank if, if you are still listening throughout all of this, I appreciate that you are, you've heard that all that, but hopefully it gives you some insight. It's also not to, I'm not trying to like come up with excuses or anything, but I also apologize. I'm trying to figure out weird, weird leap, but I'm trying to figure out like Instagram close friends and everything. Cause I, I have been not doing a lot of Patreon yeah. stuff recently, partially because I actually have been having a hard time with the Instagram settings. I also have been just swamped with doctor's appointments every, and every so, fucking minute it's like me i'm like em you're turning you're you're taking over my spot you're like <laughs> blowing up my spot going to the doctor every five minutes well there was a really like there was a really long wave where i was like successfully doing regularly posted content and ev- and f- recently in the last couple months even people have been like oh like when are we doing tea time tuesday and like, every tuesday has been doctor's appointments and like it's just it's been really exhausting so I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, but just to give people an idea of where I've been also, like I've, I haven't Usually just, either I upside haven't been... down on the bed <laughs> with their head on the floor or at the doctor. But I, I haven't been trying to ignore you. I do want to get back to Tea Time Tuesday. I do want to get back to London Fog Friday. I just, uh, I, I really have, every second I haven't been thinking about, you know, recording or touring or the book because I, I don't know if you know, but the book's coming out pretty soon, guys. Um but I've, I've really, every second has been me trying to figure out all this medical crap. So I'm sorry that, uh, I have not been around, but I'm trying to get back into it. So sorry. We're so happy that you're feeling, you're starting to feel better. You're on your road to recovery. Thank you. I, and with that, let's tell a ghost story.
Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Oy. Sorry, everybody, for how long that intro was, but it was important. So it was. I I found it to be a very uh, well. I, I texted Blaze. I said this is going to be a long episode. Just a heads up. Um, and then he was like, "Oh, that's okay. We're fine." Because he's with the baby, and I was like, "For what it's worth, you got a little shout out." And um, hey. he's probably not as excited as he's probably like, "Okay," but I, in my mind, he's thrilled See, for us. Uh, Leona also got a little shout out, so the two of them should high five. Well, down that's there. right. Yeah. Hey, they're, where's my shout they, out? Where they're going to start asking for royalties? And I'm going to hate it. That's what I'm worried about. So they're coming for me. Here, so last week we covered a Zach Bagans exclusive, basically, because it seemed like the only ghost stuff out there was... And since we watched it, or since we recorded yesterday, I have not gotten it. I have it queued up, but I have not watched it yet, for anyone wondering. It was the Stone Lion Inn, mm -hmm. and it was juicy. Um, So when I... I was kind of bored last night, kind of procrastinating, and it works really well for me that procrastinating productively can be watching ghost adventures sometimes where I'm like, our jobs are lucky in that way. Very lucky where I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to avoid thinking about work. Let me watch ghost adventures. And then all of a sudden I have like a whole set I of watched notes. Snapped, and I'm like, wait a second. 
Of course you watched Snapped. Let me tell Em about it. You watched... No? That was good, Em. That was... This is me trying to be supportive. Um, That was really Um, funny. You, I was about to be like, excuse me, I have a heart condition. You have to be nice to me. I'm trying so hard. I, do you know how many times in the last 24 hours, poor Allison has had to hear that where I'm like, (laughs) I was, if she like, she didn't, if she doesn't say I love you fast enough, I'm like, do you want to break my heart even more than it's already broken? Do you want to break my ventricle again? (laughs) (laughs) I did tell, I told you yesterday on the phone, I was like, Blaze, the mender of broken hearts. I know. He's handling it. He's just like, what do I do with all of the strange praise I'm getting? (laughs) It's so Men. foreign to me. <laughs> so anyway, all of that to say that I watched another episode of Ghost Adventures and I did plan on writing other notes, but I got so invested in this story that I was like, I mean, this is already a chunk of notes anyway, so let's just keep going. Hell with yeah, it. let's do it. So uh I'm not I promise I'm not trying to rip off their material, but you are getting a two for a two for one deal and I guess uh, well, in terms of let's take a look at my blanket that I'm currently <laughs> wearing. It's a little bit of a ZB and his little old glasses and his little old mustache. You know what's wild is when I look at ZB, he just kind of looks like Johnny Knoxville with a wide face instead of a long face. <laughs> You know, and they both do risky business. So, you know, <laughs> a lot of people, whenever this blanket is in photos, are like, you have a blanket of Blaze. And I'm like, why does everyone <laughs> think that? It freaks me out. I, I guess Blaze is the blonde version. I like, think it's the glasses. I'm not It's really like sure. someone someone just changed the uh, the coloring. Like, Saturation. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe if you swapped it out and Blaze was wearing like a lot of like, I don't know, hot topic black chained clothes or something studs and leather yeah and if and if zb were wearing scrubs like maybe things would be maybe you wouldn't be able to tell them apart i don't know um that's troubling troubling connotation for me but i'll think about that after the show it, it kind of worked out in your favor i would say so, I guess so so this is uh the story of the twin bridges orphanage oh an orphanage oh boy Love them. So this is also known. <laughs> Love them. That's not the reaction I was expecting. I like to throw you off a little bit. So uh, it's also known as the Montana State Orphanage, the State Home for Children, and the Montana State Children's Center. Okay. Um, so it's been changed. Name's been changed a bit. Fun fact, this property was, I don't know if this was before or after, but I'm guessing after uh, it was an orphanage. The property was later momentarily considered for the Montana Cowboy Hall of Fame. <gasps> which My dream. I love that My dream. it couldn't just be a Hall of Fame. Like, there's a whole specifically cowboy. Well, it's Montana, so I guess there's a lot of. Well, actually, M. What? Fun fact, my brother and I just did a Beach Tea Sandy episode on reviews of Halls of Fame <gasps> and the number of people who sent in Cowboy Hall of Fame just for me. What in the world? I'm not kidding. They're like, we know. I know Christine loves cowboys. Here's a Cowboy Hall of Fame review. What a um, weird overlap. That isn't I... it strange? Yeah. So that just threw me for a loop. This was our episode came out like two weeks ago about Hall of Fame. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, anyway. wow. You, apparently the universe didn't want you to be done with talking about it. So, And I love that for me myself <laughs> hey i love me too so uh this is in twin bridges montana and in 1894 the now abandoned orphanage was opened it was 140 square f- uh, no not 140 square feet that's a closet <laughs> it was can you imagine the orphanages that's a harry potter closet right there 140 yeah, square that's feet. no good that's no good 140,000 square feet had better. 26 buildings and during its lifetime took in over 5,000 kids 
Holy crap. Okay. Uh, several of the, quote, orphans, uh, by definition, were not orphans, I guess. I guess that means, like, you have to have two parents who have dis- have passed on or something. So, um, like, they were just dumped there or something? They were just... But... A lot of them were dumped there. Ugh, terrible. Um, okay. Which I think... It, I, in my, I don't know the proper definition. I would have taken that at face value as an orphan. But, okay. Um... So they were dropped off here by their parents. Their family couldn't take care of them. At -hmm. first, when the building was opened in the 1890s, it was probably uh, a majority of why the kids got dropped off were because this was after the mining boom in Montana, and a lot of families were now too poor to take care of all their kids. Um, Later down the road in the mid-1900s, there is the Great Depression and the war, and Mm -hmm. so they just didn't have the capacity to take care of their kids i guess and that's how you know it's like desperation you know yeah it's just like the extreme that's so sad well it's desperation on both sides because a lot of the kids at this orphanage because they knew their parents were out there and dropped them off when they were old enough to remember it a lot of them always assumed their parents were coming back to pick them up and it was like it's just the worst like it was a temporary deal until they could afford it again or something i mean even in that story i told last week about um in hungary about the the parents who ended up poisoning their own children because they couldn't feed them it's like Mm -hmm. just the worst i mean extreme um in the 1900s the public started fighting for more reform and orphanages And so the state implemented the cottage system, which was basically make it look like a cottage village. So it felt more like you were in a residential, a homey neighborhood. Where they like gardened and shit. So it became one of those self-sustaining properties, Uh which seemed to really, that was like the thing. It was in in vogue, you know? It really was. In the early 1900s, it was like every single uh, like place that's holding people that needs to give them some sort of like therapy or recreational therapy. They're all self-sustaining properties. I can see why that's enticing. Like I wish that were something that could work well. Yeah. It, it I understand it in theory of like, Oh, it brings community. It teaches life skills. Cause not only is it a self-sustaining property, but that means the people on the property are sustaining it. So Correct. the kids, yeah. the kids in this case were in charge of a lot of the operations on the property. Yeah. Yeah um sometimes as young as six years old oh boy so fuck child labor laws yes seriously um before i get into that i did have a a fun fact before we get into the sad facts where uh i found part of the menu which i love i love a good menu this is very good menu very basic but um and also like the alcatraz menu that's just like so fascinating it's so wild that every time I go to Alcatraz, the thing that I'm most interested in is the menu. Agreed. Like, Agreed. What in the world is wrong with me? But I like can't. It's like it's the most interesting thing. <laughs> it is, and it's like I I love like obviously the stories are super fascinating, but like of the of the inmates, but there's something that makes it like it's more. It feels it, out of place. Like it's almost novelty, which is horrible. That I'm interested in the the more kitsch part of it. I guess no, but, but it's true. Yeah. If, it feels like it shouldn't be there, but it also f- makes everything feel a little more like human or it's like a, real. Yeah. Like real. Like, yeah, you can see a cell and not be able to associate. Yeah. Yeah. You can't understand that as well as looking at a menu and it's like, oh, other people actually see this- like applesauce and you're like, oh, shit. It's like <laughs> we're sitting here eating applesauce. It's like, I don't know about a cell, but I certainly know about eating applesauce. I know a lot about applesauce. <laughs> it's one thing um, about me. 
That's why one of my one of my favorite cups still is your the Alcatraz mug you gave me. See, and I it, knew it because I took a photo of the menu and I sent it to you and you were like, yeah, been there, done that. I've seen that. And I was like, well, then I'm buying you a cup. <laughs> I, I really I, I love it. Feel, I mean, I love it because it feels like something I can relate to more than looking at a bunch of cells that I can't relate to. And it's like, right. oh, someone else actually. I, hopefully it doesn't sound like I'm glamorizing the experience, but to hold the cup makes me feel like I can get like more in touch with history. the, yeah. I can get more in touch with the experience of like, Oh, someone else actually had to hold this cup and be in this fucking world. Right. Anyway, for the menu, it's very, very disappointingly stand, uh, disappointingly quick, but it was a partial menu I was able to find, which is on Tuesdays, the kids would eat stew. Okay. Je- like again, disappointing. What kind of stew? What's going mm, on? In I there? don't want to know. Wednesday was the saddest day because you only ate beans. Um, at least it's filling. It is filling protein. Um, on Thursday, they would eat either hash or chipped beef. Okay. And on Fridays, they ate fish. Okay. The Catholic thing. Uh, I don't know about Mondays, and it seems like there was no information about the weekend. So I don't know if they were partying it up. Yeah, is or... there food? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Leftovers? So anyway, that was just like my last attempt at a fun fact. So I love it. I'm this, fascinated by that. Thank you. I thought so. I was like, oh, I, where else would I have seen that? Absolutely. Uh, so it, there's a self-sustaining properties and on this property happened to have its own gym, school, dorm rooms, which they called cottage houses or cottages, mm. um, including they had like a preschool one, an elementary school one, a middle school one, a high school one, and they had a teacher's area so they all all lived on the property they had a hospital they had farms powerhouses uh butcher shops shoe shops steam plants and again children as young as six were running some of these things yeah so despite this seeming progressive on the outside you want to take a guess of what the inside was like oh no i don't know not good this orphanage was rampant with neglect abuse and disease um here is a quote from so in 95 there was an article where i guess there was a reunion where a bunch of the kids from this orphanage all got together and uh one of them ended up uh writing or a few of them ended up writing like books about the experience and all that but these are just some other quotes uh one guy named murphy says that he quote recalls little children being hung on coat hooks as punishment (gasps) he remembers being forever afraid of the dark after being repeatedly locked in a dark cloak (gasps) room he remembers shoveling snow without gloves and passing out from the shock of frostbite only to be beaten awake by the matron (gasps) oh my god Oh my God. Another quote is bedwetters were whipped in an attempt no. to cure them. No. The matrons would also tie shoes on their hands at night on the theory that they were wetting their beds because they were playing with their genitals. Oh my God. So they tie their I don't hands even know what up. to do with that information. Horrible. So in fact, the kids who were wetting the bed, it was like, I saw this all over every source. This was apparently a, very common thing that the kids who were wetting the bed were so afraid of the teachers finding out during like morning wake up inspection of their rooms uh, that it was common for kids in the middle of the night to get up and put their sheets that they had accidentally wet on. Mm. Um, they would lean them up against the radiator so it would dry by that morning. That makes me cr- want to cry. That's really sad. And uh when kids got here, when they were dropped off at the orphanage, they were separated by gender and age. 
and they were intentionally separated from siblings so they couldn't talk to their family members that's horrible they were only allowed to interact with their siblings for one hour on sundays so i mean that's like the only person the only semblance of normalcy they still had and it's taken away mm-hmm. um each cottage had its own like supervisor who they called a matron or a house mother she uh, was really cruel to the children. One of the former residents say that they were often told by their matron that their parents didn't love them. Cool. They, Great. They weren't coming back for them. Uh, apparently, a lot of the kids would get locked under the stairs. They were whipped until the matron was exhausted from whipping them. Another former resident said that years later, he found out that the staff was withholding letters from him that were from <gasps> his mom. Oh, that's um, so sad. That one, uh, the that same person ended up saying maybe they were actually helping me because all the letters were the mom saying that she was coming back for him, but coming she never, but she oh, never did. Oh fuck! And so he was like, it was really fucked up that they were withholding the letters, but maybe they thought they were like saving me from getting my hopes up. Or but either way, even inadvertently they were saving him, even if they were just doing it to be cruel. That's what I'm thinking too. I'm like, it's fucking it. In that one instance, maybe it ended up being beneficial, right, but it's right. fucking cruel. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah, exactly. Disease was uh, pretty common. Uh, one of the residents remembers the school always being on lockdown and having to quarantine whenever someone got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, another former resident said that his matron was named Miss Hyman, and she would regularly whip the kids until they would cry. She would almost <gasps> almost whip them daily until they cried. Oh God! And the only time they remember Miss Hyman laughing was when she whipped the kid who refused to cry until she finally broke him. That's so disturbing. Uh, another former staff member in their 70s, or, or a former mem- a former staff member who worked there in the 70s, like openly on camera admits to having abused children. Um, and I, th- I think they were one of those people who was, quote, yikes, stuck in the ways of the past. And oh, it yeah, wasn't. Things a- were different then. And things look, were different I'm, then. I turned out just fine. Exactly. So. Uh, they admitted to giving kids swirlies when they Ugh. wouldn't clean the toilets, which by the way, that is, if you are not, uh, I feel like people don't use that phrase anymore. A swirly is cause it sounds so much happier than abuse. It sounds um, like an ice cream cone. <laughs> yeah. It was when you would, I mean, a lot of like movies from the eighties would show like, it was a very eighties, nineties cartoon, like like, kids movie thing, bullies chasing kids through school and grabbing them and then bringing them into the bathroom and then like shoving their head in the toilet and flushing the toilet. So the water swirling around their face Um, and your hair gets all swirled up and your hair gets all gross. And it's supposed to be a silly little thing that people do hilarious. And then you're the worst thing that they address in TV shows about swirlies is like, you look embarrassed next to your crush afterwards. Cause you got yeah, caught. Good point. Um, yikes. It was just like, Oh, you look wet. And now your crush is going <laughs> to laugh at you. Not like trauma, but not like uh, you almost drowned. Okay. Right. So anyway, one of the, the, the same former staff member said that there were kids who didn't want to clean the toilet. So she would give them swirlies and then they would never complain again. Uh, she also openly states, I believe children were killed here. (gasps) And this is a quote from her. All they had to do was backhand them and they'd fall down the stairs and (gasps) and bang. We've just lost one more. What is this person's problem? 
<clears throat> I don't is know. Is she in this Ghost Adventures episode? No comment. Like, yeah. that's where she's saying this shit? To ZB. What the fuck? Get your shit together. The amount of deaths is documented at 116, but there could be more. Um, oh, gosh. One of the former residents remembers, I think, seeing one of the kids get killed, or <sighs> at least remembers knowing that one of the kids that he went to, he lived there with got killed, because uh, they were kicked or trampled by a horse and died in the field. <gasps> oh, jeez. So I guess that one wasn't directly someone's fault but like i mean if that like for all we know that kid like was working the field i was gonna say it could be neglect you know just like yeah yeah. still still definitely by the way like the supervisor's fault yeah sure of course like it wasn't cold cold blood murder at least right uh but the former staff there is a former staff member who also remembers that there were around 30 headstones in the field of children at one point how nice they gave them headstones well somewhere down the road they don't know what happened but the headstones seem to have disappeared well i wonder why they're probably don't want to show off that there's a bunch of you know children's headstones yeah dead children yeah so in the 1930s during the great depression the number of children was higher here than it would ever be it was up to 400 kids at one time and on average it was about 250 300 So, so sad so now it's also overcrowded in the 1940s, this was when people were coming back, or late 1940s, I guess, is when people were coming back from war. There were new social welfare programs. Mm-hmm. Um, foster care was being taken more seriously. So there was a number drop in the orphanage. Um, so as of the 1940s, the numbers kind of started dropping. And in 1960, in the in, in those last 20 years, um, the average number of kids basically halved. Okay. So... Um, by 1975, the state funding was cut and orphanages were basically shutting down all over. And the Twin Bridges Orphanage, this was, yeah, 75, the Twin Bridges Orphanage shut down with only 50 kids left there that were brought to foster care. Wow. Okay. Um, at the time, it was a 26-acre facility with 26 buildings by the time it closed. And then it was pretty abandoned, had like medical forms just sitting on tables for people to steal. Children's Creepy. shoes are still there. Ooh. Um, and it had some private owners at different times. But in 2005, Leslie Adams uh, bought the property for $1.2 million, I think with her dad, um, to restore the property. And they ended up spending more, more than that money, $1.5 million, just in upkeep. Um, I imagine with 26 buildings, like that's a lot out of the 20 up with out of the 26 buildings. They've over at the time that this source was written, they had already, uh, redone 15 of the roofs (gasps) and they had gotten rid of all the asbestos on the property. Oh, well that's good. Um, now it's on the national registry of historic places or, Mm -hmm. I never know. It said it's on the national register. And I'm like, that's either historical places or historical landmarks or haunted locations. It's always something. <laughs> it's, always, it's always something with these national registers. <laughs> it's on a register somewhere. <laughs> um, it is, uh, according to one, I thought up until now, Leslie Adams was still uh, running this place, but it sounds like this place is now on the market for $2.2 million with 100 acres and 25 buildings. Oh, she flipped it. She Hey, she's... <laughs> Did she, though, if she spent 1.2 and 1.5, that's 2.7, so she's still at a loss. Um, 
Flip or flop. Flip or flop. So uh, there is a nearby cemetery that has a plaque with a list of all the names of the kids who died on the property. And they Oy. think, again, they think it's about 116 kids. Oof. Um, the, as for the ghosts, you can hear kids singing, which is pretty common. Uh, you can see the children playing outside sometimes. If you're far away enough, you'll see them playing like hoop and stick basketball. So one type of hoop. Yeah. Hoop and ball. Okay. Got hoop it. and ball. So you can, you can hear them play. You can hear them singing. You can see them playing outside. One kid actually saw kids playing on the basketball court and said that he knew he wasn't looking at living children because they didn't look quote flesh and bone. Ghostly children. He said something didn't look right. Oh no. Um, doors will slam open and shut. Objects will move on their own. There's a sense of something darker in some of the buildings than just spirits of children. In the castle, which is what the kids called the main building, you can still see kids and matrons' faces in the windows. Ew! You can also hear singing again. You f- feel like you're being stared at, and the bottom floor is the place that feels the most negative on the property. Would you rather run into the ghost of a matron, of like one of these evil matrons, or, or of a child? Um... After watching some shows that have been there, I would like the children more because okay. I think the dark spirits are the matrons that are hurting Makes them. sense. Yeah. So I, I know certainly... child ghosts are usually the ones that we're like, no, thank you. But I guess you're right. That would be at least a more positive experience. I think children ghosts always freak me out because I never know if they're actually they children, children or if they're demonic. But right. I feel like if you're going into an orphanage, there's a pretty good bet that it is actually children and the matron might be demonic so yeah like there's some places where like there's no record of a child dying there so then when there is a child ghost that freaks me out you're like where did you come from Uh yeah yeah i'm like what is going on here but in an orphanage i would be shocked if i didn't run into at least one kid ghost that makes sense and then and i yeah i certainly don't want to run into the one that's like whipping everyone until they're broken yeah (laughs) and if they're like abusive and terrifying yeah Yeah. that's true okay i'm with you i i am on the same page so uh here's the ghost adventures episode this was uh weirdly on discovery plus i don't know what's going on over there you seem to be tizite with them so maybe ask what's going on Mm -hmm. but uh it said it was season 16, episode 9, but everywhere else it is season 13, episode 9. Oh, really? That so is I strange. I don't know if they're listed differently for some reason. I'll call Mr. Plus and see. Uh, I was going to say, talk to DP and let me know what you. I'll uh, call DP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get DP on the horn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's very few jokes that I can repeat a million times, but you really seem to love whenever I use the phrase on the horn. That. <laughs> I don't know why. It's so funny. I feel like I've done it enough times now where I'm waiting to see when you'll stop laughing. And you always, it always (laughs) tickles you. I think it becomes more more funny. (laughs) I think because we, I think we both know the more I say it, the more I'm accidentally going to slip it into my normal jargon. And I won't notice I'm saying on the horn. You keep saying it as part of your day to day. It's like what I I would say, like my P-hone and my S-hose and my (laughs) G-lasses. And now, like, I actually you don't even do it. notice it anymore. I'm going to literally one day accidentally say, I'm using my pee hone to get you on the horn. <laughs> get him on the horn. <laughs> get, him, get, get him on the horn on my pee hone. Okay. Oh, Lord. Okay. So, Ghost Adventures 13.9. Uh, before they actually start uh, 
before they filmed there, nobody had ever done a paranormal investigation there. Really? So I feel sound in knowing that like I've done all the research I can. Cause sometimes I'll, I'll look up a, like a ghost story and I'm like, Oh, were there any other investigations? That I'm not, I'm not tracking or I missed and like, I'm not covering them. This says they, they've never had an investigation before. So I'm like, great. So I'm starting at this episode and probably ending at this episode. And yeah. Yeah. That's all I need. So, uh, when they first get there, Leslie Adams, the owner, she was worried that Zach was going to piss off all of the spirits and then leave for her to have to deal with them. Sorry to burst your bubble, Leslie, but you kind of uh, brought this upon yourself by literally inviting the only ghost show that will, without one iota of a doubt, create that exact problem. I mean, like, Christine, can you imagine if Zach Bagans... Can you imagine? Can you imagine if he pissed off a bunch of spirits and then you were stuck in a room stuck with them afterwards? With them. You know what? Um, no comment. Okay. I plead the fifth. Certainly. Uh, okay. So take before- your paparazzi all and keep going. Ah! <laughs> so before the investigation, here's my personal favorite and also least favorite at the same time. They're about to start the investigation. It begins raining. Zach says that the rain reminds him of all of the orphans' tears. <laughs> i'm sorry that took me so by surprise i don't know why i don't know what i thought you were gonna say i don't know what the what the what the today's tech jargon is but i had to rewind to i had to go (laughs) i had to listen to it again because i was like come again mr bacon's what did you just say holy shit i'm sorry how does he get away with that and like his crew doesn't laugh like that's what baffles me is like we all laugh because we're like, oh, Zach, you know, and it's like it's scary, but like we can laugh at his like little mannerisms. But like nobody on his team can like they all keep but, a like, straight face. But here's the thing. And like working in TV at one point, I feel like we both know that a lot of reality show is scripted. And I right. I like to hope I really I really truly like we we talk trash about um ghost adventures a lot just because of the aesthetic that they give us but never once have i do i think we've ever trash talked like their uh their ability to capture something or if if there was something like if there was compelling evidence i've never yeah, like we enjoy on the show but i uh, the the problem uh as, not even especially with ghost adventures but anytime that they that anyone who has a reality show mm-hmm. i'm talking like i have one but uh Anyone who goes into a reality show at at some point, most of them will go into a sound booth later and do what's called ADR. Right. And right. It's, they'll do like the narratives where they're talking over certain scenes and stuff like that. And they don't just go in and say something willy nilly. Like there were writers who came up with what they're saying. So right. sometimes I, I do wonder like, is Zach like this or is there just one writer that everyone's just letting slip through the cracks? So we're and like, they're just like amping it up and, and being they're like, like, say this next. And they're like, Zach, you're going to be the one that everyone remembers having said this. I'll write it, but you just have to go record it in a booth afterwards. <laughs> but do you really think he would say it if he didn't want to, you know, I feel I f- like, I feel like if we, if we didn't want to, let's say we had a TV show, that'd be very yeah. fun. If we had one and we had to like record like B roll narrative or something later, yeah. 100% we would be getting the, the script in advance and we would be like we're not saying that like we're not doing yeah that. and and if we're <laughs> gonna say that like Zach's certainly gonna stand up and be like hell no especially you know, like- if if you're him and like I don't know enough about contracts but if he's an executive producer he definitely has a say right like, yeah it's like <laughs> his show right 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 
hi. So anyway. I think he's kind of like that. I'll be honest. I think they exaggerate it for the show, but I think he actually is. He certainly, like it that. certainly was said and it certainly was heard by me. So I, um, that's, that's all the reality I need, you know, that's all I need. So, uh, here is the things that they experienced while they were there. And I gotta say uh, two for two that like, this is why I didn't plan on covering this topic, but like, it was like, it was a spooky one. And like, I, sometimes they're not spooky. Sometimes they're just silly and like something to like scoff at, but this one had some creepy stuff. So, um, Jay feels something brushed by his leg. Uh, there's EVPs of children's voices. There are multiple times where in real time they hear disembodied sounds that make no sense. I do appreciate that there were two different times where they debunked something. Ah, uh, that's and, always helpful. Uh, both times it was animals. Um, they heard a lot of sounds, which I got to tell you were the scariest fucking thing of my life. And then they found out it was a pigeon flying through the room. <laughs> Who um, knew that this pigeon could make the scariest sound imaginable? Well, then they like, they found in one of the rooms, there was like, um, children's footprints, but then it was raccoons. So like it, I appreciate that they <laughs> admitted to that. Um, in one room, this was where it kind of got like spooky ooky. Zach keeps saying that part of the room feels electric. He's like, I can't explain. It just feels really electric. So he brings in some equipment and the melmeter starts spiking like crazy, like a truly an abnormal spike, like very creepy. And at the same time, the ovulus says electric. Ooh, that's spooky. That doesn't make sense to me. And as that someone very creepy, has, as someone who has used an ovulus, I'm telling you, you cannot control what the ovulus says. I tell right. you, it, it's very, it's very odd. And it has a big dictionary, right? It's not like big old one limited amount of words or something. Big old one. And so, uh, another time Zach sees a, like a light or something moving in another room. And he says, I just saw you. You looked like light. Do I look like light to you? And he gets an EVP of something saying, I see you. (laughs) That's not quite what I asked. (laughs) It's like, so as light or not as light? Um, In one room, they hear heavy, quick footsteps while they also see on the camera a dark shadow lunge at them. Yuck. Um, In another room, they hear scratching. Uh, and then they see a shadow on the camera run from one room to another. And when they ask what the shadow was, the ovulus says projection. And then the ovulus mm-hmm. says hide. Oh, 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 no, no. Soon after that, they have heard scratches. They also heard growls. They heard three knocks in a row, which Zach loves to say three is the trifecta from the devil or something. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then they all felt something really dark and smelled sulfur. So that sounds like a demon to me. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. Uh, and this was in the area that is usually known to have negative energy. So later they also see this was very creepy. This got this got me. Uh, they see someone standing next to them which is awful. And then later by the pool in real time and on camera, both they heard it in real time and they got it on camera. They hear a little girl's voice teasing and singing. Ew. And you could hear it. You in could the episode. fully yes. really truly hear it. Um, so while they're standing in the pool, it's like, it's a drained pool. While they're standing there, they my hear dumb ass was like, Oh my God, they they're put on swim trunks, treading water. <laughs> What's up? Uh, so while they're standing in the pool, they hear something fall on the other side of the pool. It sounded really heavy. When they walk over, they now see that there is a ball sitting on the floor that wasn't there earlier. And Yikes. they looked back on the cameras and you can see the ball from a completely other room roll to the pool, all the way to the pool. It's no. Far, and then fall into the pool. 
So they have the literal journey of the ball to the yes. pool. Oh, fuck that. And so they think because they were hearing a little girl's voice earlier. Yep. And then the ball falls into the pool. The little uh, Zach asks the little girl to move the ball again. And you can see on the camera, it is fully moving by itself. No. And when Zach keeps calling her little girl, the ovulus goes, Carol. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. It's like little girl. <laughs> it's like, like homie. Like I have I a name. Have a name. Jeez. Did they so, check the sign to see if there was a Carol? They didn't, but that would have been so smart. Ooh. So they say, uh, they're like, oh my God, Carol, that might've been the same one who was singing earlier. And then the ovulus says laugh as in like, ha ha ha. Or it's just like, hello, I'm lolling so hard right now. She's like, laugh, <laughs> laugh, laugh. Right. <laughs> you guys are so funny. Ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, and then, so as the ovulus says laugh, like Zach, like production brain, Zach was like, oh, so we have to, I have to show this to a camera so they can see that the machine says laugh. And so he's kind of twisting around because he's on the ladder on the stairs. He's like halfway down the ladder. When oh, in happened. the pool in the pool he's halfway down the ladder when it happens so he's kind of moving around and twisting around to like show the ovulus off to people and the ovulus says twist no and then it said cleansing which they read as like maybe this was a cleansing experience for them but i don't know Uh if like they were maybe it was cleansing to go into the pool i don't know anyway uh then i also watched those orphan tears coming from the sky that were so cleansing (laughs) god uh and never mind i was gonna say something it was gonna be really stupid so then there's uh an episode (laughs) called destination fear which remember a while ago i I i've said this before but it blows my mind every time that it's just a very precious full circle that there was that one episode forever ago yes where uh they did like a video contest and some some guy won the (gasps) contest and got to go ghost hunting with them and he homeboy ended up being the the ghost investigator like the lead investigator on destination fear that's that yes i think that was your zach episode maybe it was i don't i don't don't know know. i don't know i remember that he won a like a music video contest and he like i think pretended to be zach in the music video and so he got to go with his dad on a haunted location with them and uh and he ended up now, I guess they became buddies. I imagine Zach like helps That's him get his own show. the cutest thing ever, by the way. I it just is love that story. Very precious. So anyway, I watched that episode, which by the way, the intro to Destination Fear and the intro to Ghost Adventures is so goddamn similar. Uh-huh, they have the same same uh, music musical taste. He looks, he looks like a younger Zach. He sounds like a younger Zach. Well, Literally, he was doing the Zach voice in the trailer where he was like, my name is Dakota. And I'm like, no wonder you won that contest. <laughs> I'm like, you were practicing at that. That music video was just the beginning of it's what you just thought. just the beginning. <laughs> so anyway, if you want to watch it, it is season three, episode nine. Um, and I thought it was they, season 13. That was Ghost Adventures. This is <gasps> Oh, de- oh, okay. Sorry. Ghost Adventures is 13-9, Destination Fear is 3-9. Oh, okay. So, when they and they they got some spooky stuff too. So when they asked for a sign that someone was there in real time, they heard a throat clear in the hall, which they also got on camera. And the gym locker room, this was like I love when machines go off with yes or no questions. Um, they had a paranormal music box, which it's literally a music box slash motion sensor. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just a, it's just an, a creative, interesting way to 
make motion sensors less boring on camera, I guess. Well, and it's also like, oh, old timey ghosts might want to come near the, instead of like Mm -hmm. a scary machine, it's like, oh, they would recognize this object. Yeah. Good luring tool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, basically if they were to approach the machine, uh, this music would start playing and it was, if the answer is yes, approach the machine. If the answer is no, don't. And so while in the gym locker room, they got, uh, the machine did not go off to are you a boy the machine did go off to are you a girl the machine did not go off to did you like this place the machine mm. did go off to did you not enjoy your time here the machine which like i appreciate that they kept ask if the answer was no they would try to mm-hmm. confirm it with the opposite i really appreciate that instead of just like reading into something right um then they said like well even if you didn't like your time here are you at least in this room because you liked it here and the machine started going off like crazy okay um that's in good a, in a room where the girls used to sleep uh they asked who are you and the ovulus said Anne. and then they said did you make friends here and the ovulus said harriet oh precious um they also later in a in the castle they said what are you and the ovulus said friend girl oh i'm harriet <laughs> yeah that's me big h and so <laughs> uh so when saying that oh this this little girl is is friendly all of a sudden the ovulus said hide enemy <gasps> which is weird because ghost adventures also got hide yeah and i so it to me if it seems like, or the story they were writing out for me, it felt like it was a little girl who was friendly and all of a sudden someone, like maybe like the matron was coming and she was like, hide enemy. No. So in the castle basement, they also felt- Or maybe it was Carol and they're like, Carol's our enemy. (laughs) (laughs) She's throwing balls at us. Her head is just so blown up since the Ghost Avengers episode. (laughs) She She, her stupid ball. (laughs) She was in such a limelight that Carol has just not gotten over it. Um, So, never mind. So castle, in the castle basement, they experienced a dark shadow lunging at them, which also happened on Ghost Adventures. Oh, mysterious. I wonder, it's, part of me is like, oh, that's such good, uh, evidence because everyone's getting similar experiences so it's like confirming all of their it's validating all of their experiences but then i'm also but. like then i'm like <laughs> if these shows really are like executive produced by two buddies like hmm, are we just doing some overlap uh, collaborating here is I don't there, know. or is there even just like the um suggestion uh-huh happening because yeah, in the they, first episode if they are buddies i feel like before dakota and his crew got there they might have talked to zach and been like oh what did you experience i don't know this is also me like trying to be like very skeptical which i don't think is bad but i also don't if it happened like great good for them um in the school this is the last thing that i'll say but uh they he had a really cool idea where they were like let's blow up a bunch of balloons and hang them like put them on a string tape the string to the ceiling so that the ball, the balloon is completely free floating. Nothing's going to accidentally rub up against it and pop it or anything. Let's just hang it and see if anything hits it because it's also, it's super lightweight. So it wouldn't take a lot of energy for something to brush past it or move it for us, which I never heard of that tactic before. No. But I thought that was super creative. Um, so he blows up a bunch of balloons and hangs them from the ceiling. And he's like, if you're a little kid here and you know, can you pop one of these, not pop one of these balloons. Can you move one of these balloons? Can you nudge it or walk by it so that, you know, we see it moving around. 
nothing happens for the longest time. And then all of a sudden the two of them, the two investigators, they're like, something feels really bad here. Like all of a sudden they, one of them said, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble, which is so <gasps> weird. Cause that feels like maybe like a matron oh, came in yeah. and as let me, I, I, uh, I'm going to send it to you because it seemed to work last time for me to send this to you. I, instead of making you go to a time code or anything, I just, I'm sending you the clip, but it's only 10 cool. seconds. So let me know when you get that. And this is during the balloon thing. Um, stupid question. So I thought you said it was only done on ghost adventures or that it they was, were the only ones who went. So ghost adventures was before ghost adventures. Nobody had ever investigated before. So ghost adventures was the first. Oh. And then, um, I guess destination fear came in, which again, if they're buddy, buddy with ghost adventures, maybe they were able to get like an in or something. Do afterwards. Like a, yeah. Okay. Okay. I just got the clip. Should I watch okay, it? So this is, this is right after they felt like they were going to get in trouble and some like dark energy had just walked in because they felt like at the, they had been sitting there for like 20 minutes 30 minutes at this point the balloons weren't moving they weren't getting any evps they felt like nothing was in the room and all of a sudden they felt something really dark happen and okay. this this is right as one of the investigators is saying something feels weird okay yeah like i was just like okay maybe i'm just psyching myself out but i was like something feels weird now. <laughs> First of all, remarkable how similar they are to Z. Right. <laughs> right. Uncanny. It's Bro. like a carbon copy. Dude. Carbon copy. Dude, that balloon. That is bonkers. So for people who didn't, I, for people I didn't text the clip to, uh, as he's, <laughs> as one of them is saying, something feels really weird. The balloon not just pops, but like explodes into a bunch of pieces. And on you the can ground. tell they are shook because they i mean the camera Freak like out. almost smashes into the ground like they are they are terrified so i am aware to all the skeptics that like i don't know a little bumblebee could have come in and stabbed it or something but like honestly it... if a little bumblebee came in and stabbed it that would have been more <laughs> fascinating and like such a stranger coincidence i think a, than a ghost like a little hummingbird just wanted to sniff it with its pointy <laughs> beak but uh but yeah no it it really it seemed at the same moment where they were like, something feels really weird. And you know, here. what's funny too, is that he's saying, Oh, maybe I was just overthinking it. Maybe I was just in my own, like, it's almost yeah. like he's going back on it. And then the balloon's like, Nope, I'm nope. here. It's like, you were right. Yeah. You don't were forget right. Me. So anyway, both of those episodes were super good. Um, is I Destination actually, Fear good? I need another ghost show after. So uh, I was literally about to like kind of give like a mini shout out to Destination Fear just because like I have never, I've really only watched Ghost Adventures and that's it. And unless I was doing research, I haven't watched any other shows, but I did not hate uh, Destination Fear. They were, it was uh, very creative. Like the things that they were, it was actually, so it's Dakota, his sister and his two friends. Oh, and, fun. Uh, they were like just super, I don't know if this was like how it was written or whatever, but this episode in particular seemed creative, like the balloon thing. Um, they also, they started the episode by all of them being blindfolded and then being like separated immediately without even knowing where they were. Ooh. And so they found out once they were in the building alone in sep because there was 26 buildings, each of them were in completely different buildings oh geez took their blindfold off and then found out they were at an orphanage and these <gasps> were all the things that happened there and so they, they were able to cover a lot of ground by going to different places Does right chip away. coffee ever make an appearance honestly if chip coffee just kind of like 
oh. evaporated into in into the the building. I would have been he so into it. He just needs to to twirl his scarf around, and <laughs> it'll like, happen. Just like a, like a one of those illusions where like how they'll throw like a smoke cloud and then they yes. disappear. He just yep. does the the scarf and he the appears scarf all over swoosh. again. Oh, I love him. Anyway, that's the Twin Bridges uh, orphanage. That was good. Um, I, that was really good. And I'm adding um, Destination Fear to my list here. I have a feeling by proxy, uh, Destination Fear probably wouldn't like us if they know our feelings on Zach. But but we also like GA. Like, we watch it, you know, and we use it for I, research. We I have mean, fun. I gotta say, I like GA. I have no problem with GA, Ghost Adventures. My only problem is things with Zach, like calling the rain. You know, I just it makes me think of the orphans' tears. Like, yeah, and there's some some if, troubling things he said, and and some uh, some maybe screaming in the ghost face. It's but. the it's the problematic stuff of Zach. That's my only problem with him. I don't have a problem with his like spiky hair and acid wash jeans, but I do have a problem with like his like lack of depth in some, some areas. Sometimes <laughs> it's a little bit like cringe you know but um but yeah i mean i'm gonna check out this destination fear situation see what's up this podcast is brought to you by squarespace the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account if you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue then get started with squarespace's new feature squarespace courses Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You know, when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind, especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink all right um good job that was that was creepy that was thank really you. creepy thank you 
Uh, okay, I have a story for you, and this is actually a two-parter because it's <gasps> uh, quite a tale. Wow, you really let me talk for 45 minutes before this episode, didn't you? And then didn't even tell me you had a long story. No, it's a two-parter. It's, okay. it's a long story that's been cut in half, so it's it's not like super long. Um, okay, perfect, perfect. It was, and then it's been cut in half. Um, so this is the story. It, Like I said, it's a Russian story, and it's a Russian serial killer. His name is Alexander Pachushkin. P- shit, I practiced this so many times. Pachushkin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alexander Pachushkin, the chessboard killer. Hold on. Hang on. The chessboard killer. I don't Do know, you know him. It? No, but I'm trying oh. to like ima- I'm trying <laughs> to imagine immediately what I think the chessboard killer is so I can be completely Oh, interesting. Torn. Like what that could mean. Like, I mean, it sounds like a Criminal Minds episode, doesn't it? You have been doing a lot of uh stories lately where there's like a very sensationalized name to them. Like there's I know there's a lot out there, but I feel like in a row I've been hearing a Ooh, few like of the them. Angel Makers. The Angel and... Makers. Uh, chessboard killer. Um chessboard killer chessboard killer so in my mind immediately i think of like harry potter with that dangerous that's shit exactly chessboard. what i thought too i was like everyone's life-size chess <laughs> right and then uh but then chessboard killer well it's not that for anyone wondering well i don't think i don't think Voldemort I just thought it was confirmed. behind this or anything just um, thought it confirmed but uh chessboard killer i feel like Part of me wants to think of it as like an escape room situation where like he would use Ooh, like the chess- a strategy. He would use the chessboard almost as like maybe a map and like based on where the chessboard piece was. I feel like that's you as a murderer, but not this guy. It's too complicated. I think I'm making it too difficult. Chessboard killer. Did he just like play in the park with people and kill them? I don't know. Um, like kind of. Yeah. Oh, it's that simple. Wow. I was really making well, it Well, there's more to it, but that's definitely an aspect of it. Yes. Okay. I really was hoping that the chessboard was like part of his. his he has MO. a chessboard. He does have a chessboard. Okay. Does he. So wait. Does he. Hmm. Okay. Last time I'll ask a question. Yeah. 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 Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm like, yeah, 100%. Totally. <laughs> maybe because like a lot of killers, like they have like, they always collect like a tchotchke after, after their mm-hmm. kill. You like, they need a trophy. Like, is the chessboard pieces a bunch of. He, like things from his kills so not quite but you're definitely on the right track oh okay okay you're wow. definitely on the right track i did better than i thought i was going you to, did to really honest, good so. you really did because you got two parts of it checkmate christine oh I, I don't play chess but okay it's you fine. win <laughs> okay i would love to play chess with you actually i think you'd, I, be a, you'd be a very fun chess partner really i've always wanted to learn and i'm embarrassed i don't know and you you even sent me the instructions that you had written out once and i never i did got i drew around. it i drew it on paper yeah <laughs> you did on like note cards or something and i never got around to actually learning it um my brother plays i would not want to well. play with your brother i it, i'm no offense it sounds to him, like but- a headache yeah well, he's just like, first of all, I've never met someone more competitive and it, we would not, we would clash first of all. It would be because he would really, really, really want to win. And I would really let him, I would be like, I don't want this and as he, much as he you would, do. He would want nothing. He would hate nothing more than for you to let him win. So yes. it would just be a disaster. But also he's very, um, he already is naturally very strategic. And he like, even if he decided I'm going to take like a fucking xanax and not even care whether or not i win or lose mm-hmm. I, I assume that's what he needs to like not be competitive i don't know <laughs> don't um, <laughs> but if he just if we decided we were going to play the same energy he would still already 
without ever playing him, I know he would be light years better than me. So it's like, no matter I don't what. Know. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen you play chess. I don't know anything about it. So I can't say either way, but. I would say I'm average to I above average. Pretty good. But he I is. I bet you're pretty good. He's, he's, I think, maniacal at chess, I would bet. His brain works in mysterious ways. I guess I'll mm-hmm. put that. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so this is the story of the chessboard killer. And on June 14, 2006, we're going to jump right into, we're going to jump in kind of like at a random point, like I do sometimes, and then like rewind to the beginning. I love when you make it cinematic. (laughs) I love it. It's like someone executive produced this, kind of like a ZB exclusive. It's Dick Wolf and me. Um, On June 14, 2006, the body of 35-year-old Marina Moskalyova was found in Bitsevsky Park River in Moscow, Russia. Okay. This gets dark and sh- shitty really fast. I'm so lucky that there's two parts to this, so I have yeah, to Yeah, you're con- you're welcome. Be miserable twice as long. <laughs> Marina had died having been struck on her head and according to Murderpedia, small wooden stakes had been driven through her eyes and into her skull. <gasps> I'm sorry. Whoa, wait. For, so for what it's worth, that happened after the death, but still. Okay. So at least that didn't I but mean it's you know. gory, it's horrific. So it's, she got so she got hit in the head and then this whole other situation happened. She with is the eyes she was and, killed having been hit blunt force trauma to the head, and then wooden stakes had been driven into her skull. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We really just did a very immediate halt on the fun sorry um so when the police arrived at the scene and searched the body they discovered uh they were very lucky because marina's jacket pocket contained two incredibly helpful clues the first was a metro ticket that had been stamped with the time on it okay and the second was a telephone number written on a piece of paper very useful very useful uh the number turned out to belong to her 32 year old colleague alexander Petrushkin. Mm. And the two of them worked together at the local supermarket. Wait, didn't you already say this name, Petrushkin? Yes, he's the chessboard killer. Oh, okay. So she just had the number to the killer. I see. Correct. Okay, okay I see where we're going. Yes, okay. Petrushkin. Uh, How he... is this a two parter? We already found him. That, the end. I wish so bad. And he liked to play chess. Anyway, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that were the end, but it's very far from it. Okay. So the two of them worked at the supermarket together, um, and the police, of course, instantly go over to Petrushkin's home where he lived with his mother. But when police questioned him about Marina's disappearance, he said he had no clue where she was. In fact, he said he hadn't seen her in months, even though they worked together almost every day at the supermarket. So they were like, (laughs) something's fishy, something's fishy. Uh, Clean up on aisle seven. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately. Unfortunately, the morning her body was discovered, Marina's 15-year-old son, Sergei, was watching TV when he saw that a woman's body had been found and he knew his mom hadn't come home. Oh, no. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. So, of course, worried about his mother's whereabouts, he called his dad, who then called the police. And when police talked to Sergei, the son, he revealed some even more crucial information because his mama was very smart. When uh, he had gotten home that evening, his mother had left him a letter which said, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be with this person and I'm going to this park and I'll be on a date with this Alexander guy. He's my coworker. So if anything happens. Which, by the way, like PSA, like 
PSA women out there or uh, anyone who has had to walk down a street in fear, let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are not one of those people who already does that when you're about to go on a date with somebody or you're meeting somebody for the first time in public, please start doing that. And also PSA to men and or people who've never had to worry about walking down a street. This is shit that people have to do. Just like, yeah, yeah. And, and do just like as part of their day to day, just to add some extra safety, just to give, you, to give you a little awareness that an, enough things have happened in the world that people have to do stuff like this. And it's not just considered smart, but necessary. So but necessary. Yeah. And it doesn't always even work, as we can see. But I do appreciate that she was someone who already knew this, like, kind of universal yeah. tip. I, I appreciate that about her. Very I also smart. I love that she was also keeping her kid in the loop the whole time very savvy um so savvy so fucking sucks that she was killed um and i wish that the story had turned out differently but thank god she was savvy because it led to this guy's arrest Mm -hmm. um so he said i have no clue where she is blah 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 they talked to sergey he's like uh my mom wrote me this letter and it gave me the information that she was going out with this Alexander Petrushkin and they were going to the park. And so they take this Metro ticket that has a timestamp on it and go look at surveillance footage from the Metro. And they discover that she and Alexander Petrushkin had walked the mother, the Metro together, um, which corroborated the letter. So they really have this guy pinned now. They're mm-hmm. like every angle points to you. He really did not. For someone who is called the chessboard killer, his, he really did not bank on other people having a strategy. Now that is interesting because that actually is part of the psycho psychology of this case. Ultimately (gasps) is like, why, why did this? So spoiler, I don't, I don't know if I end up up even mentioning this because it's two parter. I don't know what, where this gets mentioned if at all, but um, basically uh, he knew she told him on the date that she had written her son a letter with, saying i'm with you and we don't know if it was like out of fear like she was like hey just so you know my kid knows where i am we don't know if it was a joke like oh you better not kill me you know i'm i I was so nervous i even put your name in a letter to my kid we don't know the context did the killer know that the kid knew yeah that's what so Hmm. she told him i don't know if it was the kid or just like people know where i am in general she said i wrote a letter to my son where i told him exactly where i was going and with whom okay and yet he killed her anyway and so that's so wild the question is like did why you know because um Hmm. the strategy just wasn't there that that's like that was a full momentary lapse of any thinking of like Unless his next like move was to try to also kill the kid for who would have. So been- the theory, at least the one. So one of the podcasts I listened to that was really helpful was Serial Killers by Parcast. And um, one of the interesting theories is like that age old psychological serial killer. One of he wanted to get caught and he was like, I'm not oh. getting attention for this. Um, and uh, like spoiler alert as well. This is th- a murder after many others so it's Mm. like he's been doing this for a long time so it doesn't really make sense that he would just all of a sudden give up the ghost so easily and one of the theories is he wanted to get caught um and so i i don't know if that's true 
Um, or, you know, his his urge to kill was just so strong that he risked it. Mm. And in it's kind of cheesy, but in the Serial Killers podcast, they said something like, you know, in chess, sometimes you have to sacrifice a player to, yeah. you know, gain something else. Maybe he was just making the risk of, you know, getting caught. But it was yeah. he wanted I think he was like it was a very fine line he was risking of yeah. like if I give enough information to authorities, then at least there's like a chase that I'm seeking. Something like that. Or he could have just been like, maybe she's bluffing and mm. it's a risk I'm willing to take. Like, who oh, knows? Interesting. That's that could also be a totally. So anyway, there's no way to know. But yeah, there it, it's it's he's not he got screwed by this particular murder, basically. Um, so Patrushkin's house, which was near the park, was raided and he was arrested. Uh, and they found, this is just what they found in his house. Here we go. They found images and newspaper clippings of a notorious Russian serial killer named Andre Chikatilo. Mm. Uh, and he was somebody that Patrushkin evidently desperately admired. Whoa. Have you covered and- him? I have not. No. Okay. In fact, I had not even heard of him. I think m- might I suggest I've never requested before, but could you do uh-huh. him after the story so they pair nicely together? Okay, that's a thought. I okay. like it, M. Just throwing it out there. You don't have to. Please do remind it. me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna like not remember, and everyone's gonna be like, "What the hell?" Um. Yes. Yeah, so S- Andre Chikatilo uh, is somebody that he's evidently admired, and not only admired, but like desperately wanted to emulate wow okay yeah so Andre sounds Chikatilo, like he was a pretty horrible dude then for this guy e- for a de- for another serial killer to be like i'll never be you wow i just look up to you so much yeah so andre chikatilo was more famously known as the rostov ripper oh i hate or that. the russian hannibal lecter oh my god yeah, he's bad. Uh, he was a cannibal who raped, mutilated, and murdered his victims. Oh, my God. And between 1978 and 1990, Chikatilo would kill a total of 52 women and children. Whoa. Okay, so that'll be a big story. That's, whenever you choose to do that. Yeah, you've put me, set me up for a... <laughs> I set you up one. for, I think, a three-parter. That's what I think. I, I think we all know what the next five weeks of a That's Why Drink is going to look like on your end. Boy, oh. They also found an alarming amount of violent porn in Whoa. Petrushkin's apartment. But the scariest item of all was a chessboard. Okay, okay. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel I... like it's not as, like, th- thrilling as it might. Is it currently just a literal fucking chessboard? I feel like, are there not names written on the back or something? So here, I'll tell you. So the chessboard was the prop that would ultimately turn Alexander Petrushkin into the chessboard killer in the eyes of the public. Um, Why? Because notably, 61 out of the 64 squares on the chessboard had been numbered. Basically, every kill had been marked on the chessboard. Oh, so the the chessboard itself was the trophy. Was the trophy. And he was tallying. He was trying to fill it out. Ew. So wait, what was going to happen once he hit the 64th one? Was he just going to stop killing or was he going to get a new chessboard? Probably get a new chessboard. Probably take up like backgammon. I don't know. I was going to say like, what's a a thing with worse pegs all over it? Mahjong? I have no idea. Uh, So in some reports, they say that each one had uh, a, a... a coin glued to it or a date 
uh, written on it or a cross. But basically, each square, all we what we do know is each square represented a victim, um, yeah. and it's believed that the the date of the kill was on. So he that was the trophy was him basically marking. He was trying to fill out this chessboard and um like i mentioned petushkin had i'm not petushkin sorry the rostov ripper had killed 52 women and children and um petushkin's goal was to fill out this 64 piece chessboard wow and so his goal was to surpass his idol and question i don't know if you know this because you haven't researched that other fella yet but Mm -hmm. have you do we know if he was dead or alive because maybe was he going to try to like impress him or make him proud or was this more just for him so he was alive and the reason that he became kind of um his idol is because while petrushkin was kind of living his day-to-day life this uh rostov ripper was on trial and it was this hugely Mm. It was this big spectacle, this hugely publicized thing, and he was getting so much attention that Petrushkin was like, I want that attention. Got it. Got it. And so it was more like a love-hate thing. Like, I don't think he necessarily wanted to impress uh, the Rostov Ripper. I think he wanted to one-up him and get that same amount of kind of attention from the public and be that hero, quote-unquote, in that sick way. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so he that's kind of what his goal was. Um, so like I said, each square on the chessboard, uh, you know, correlated to one of his victims. And uh, bizarrely, Pichushkin, which maybe does go to show that he was trying to get caught, was more than cooperative with police. He had no issue returning to Bitsevsky Park, which, by the way, is called Bitsa Park. That's like the nickname of it. And so a lot of times it's referenced as Bitsa Park. Um, So he had no problem returning to Bitsa Park to show authorities around as sort of like a murder tour guide. Like he showed them how he accomplished his kills. He reenacted the crimes. Um, And apparently he wasn't just doing this for show. It's actually Russian protocol to like have the killer reenact so that there's no doubt in court and they film it so that you can, if you're confessing your crimes, you can reenact it so that there's no doubt that I don't know. That seems to be, that's weird and complete side note my uh my stage fright would really kick in of like yeah having... can you imagine like all right can you also also hmm cameras rolling right and also like I wonder if in a scenario where let's say an innocent person is up for murder it, they have to reenact it I guess to see if the way they no would no no do I think it? this is for a confession. Oh, 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 I see. Okay. I think this is for a confession. If you're like, saying... Can you imagine having to watch a bunch of people, like, reenact something that awful? <laughs> oh my God. This would be so bad. Oh, my God. No, no, no. This is if you're confessing, because otherwise it would okay. be batshit crazy to have a bunch of people. Like, I, it was I like are, I did this. I was like, are they all just going to, like, rehearse together? Like, so they all know what to do when they film oh it? Oh, my it was... God. No, 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 no. So this is because he is cooperating. He's... Uh, admitting to all these crimes and so as part of this process he has to show police what he did they film it so that in court they can go through and kind of show what he did um in this protocol according to uh, a documentary called serial killers the chessboard killer it was evident to those with him that he was taking great satisfaction reliving the murders great yeah like so do they 
can I ask how they knew? Like, was he laughing or smiling? So he was just like super eager to show them what he did. It was almost like he was showing off. Um, The cameraman who was there claimed to have filmed over 40 hours with him because he was so eager. And uh, Petrushkin remembered everything in surprising detail. And according to senior investigator Andre Supernenko, quote, this is probably my favorite quote from any recent story I've done. So according to the senior investigator, he wanted to talk. All maniacs want to talk. <laughs> so, which, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Cause yeah, if you don't know that you need to shut the fuck up and like, you're not reading the room that this isn't a cool thing. I yeah. guess that makes sense. Or if you're so, so, I don't know if it's a sociopathy or what, but psychopathy, you're so, uh, tunnel visioned on your out of yourself yeah that you don't even have any care that this is like like just a thing no awareness no wherewithal nothing no yeah exactly so uh, all maniacs want to talk is kind of my new i love it because i feel like it also relates to podcasting but i was gonna say hello (laughs) oopsies (laughs) um and so he also told the police Quote, it was all the same to me who I killed. I killed for the sake of the process itself. And for the record, I wanted to kill as many people as possible and to beat Chikatilo's record. Mm. So that goes to show he was trying to uh, Perfect. beat his idol. Um, and though a lot of the reports on this murder, uh, this murderer really drive home at the point that he was a loner, had never been married, had never been spotted with a woman, which like shouldn't be necessarily relevant to being a murderer Mm. uh for what it's worth his old classmate dennis asserts when we uh when we learned he had committed the crimes it was a shock because everyone from his childhood was like no he was so nice and normal um i I, which is shocking because i feel like you would meet someone like that and be like oh no we like oh dear (laughs) right like Like, we had a feeling we had something was up with this guy he to be able to yeah agreed so um, Alexander Petrushkin, known to his friends as Sasha, was born on April 9th, 1974. So he's an Aries. He was born in Mitishi. I'm probably saying that wrong. Mitishchi, Moscow. And okay. he was raised by his mother, Natasha Fidasova, Fy- after his father left them before uh, he turned one year old. So his father left bef- as he when he was a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, they lived at 2 Kersenskaya Street. And that's where he ended up living for a majority of his life. And as he grew up, Natasha remarried his mother and Petrushkin gained two half siblings, Katya and Sergei. Mm. Now, this is a formative experience in his childhood that I think is going to be a huge red flag in our understanding, which is that he was at a playground uh, as a kid and fell off a swing, hit his head on the pavement under the swing, sat up. And the swing swung back and hit him in the front of the head. Got it from the back and the front. Jesus. Yes. And the part of the brain that uh, researchers often believe is linked to homicidal tendencies uh, when when injured is a frontal lobe. And I probably phrased that wrong. I'm not saying it's often linked to homicidal tendencies. What I'm saying is some, some researchers believe that there's a connection there with an injury to the frontal lobe or a brain injury, something like that. Sorry, but can Um, you, I'm just still imagining like 
hitting your head on the pavement, coming up and getting smacked. Your brain is just sloshing. That in there. is so bad. And that's before I believe he was four years old. And that's before your frontal uh, was even fully formed. And so the, the damage it. done is, and people did say, um, he was never the same after that, which is just really fucking sad. You know, yeah. it just like makes me really, really sad. Um, he had been, once been described as pleasant. He loved animals. Um, and he had suddenly had this head injury and completely changed. Uh, and so doctors speculated that his aggression was attributed to this damaged, uh, frontal lobe. Yeah. And unfortunately he was severely bullied physically and verbally, um, at school. Uh, he hated the other kids at his school for obvious reasons. And the only really person that he connected with was his grandfather. And it got to the point where his home life was so crowded and so uncomfortable that he moved in with his grandfather, who kind of saw something in him and thought, uh, you know, this is a smart kid. I'm going to take him in and raise him as my own. And I'm going to teach him how to play chess. Oh, okay. Oh, so I'm starting to see why he has an attachment to chess now, if it's like one of the only signs of love he's been given precisely empathy love and attention and attention love and attention and something he's good at Mm -hmm. so he was semi brought up by his grandfather who would teach his grandson how to play chess in bitsa park where he Mm. would play with the older people at the park typically older men and he became pretty damn good at it Mm. um according to an article in gq of all places uh Bitsevsky Park, often short to, shortened to Bitsa Park, is a long rolling forest filled with trees, streams, and clearings. In the winter, it's popular with cross-country skiers. The grounds extend from Balaklavsky Prospect, a boulevard on the north end, to the MKAD, the multi-lane beltway that encircles Moscow four miles south. Mm-hmm. The park is enormous, encompassing more than 2,700 acres, and for reference, New York Central Park covers 843. Okay. So Central Park's 843. This park is 2,700 acres. So it's pretty darn big in the middle of Moscow. Surrounding it are tens of thousands of people living in sprawling, rusting apartment blocks, speckled with satellite dishes. Uh, many people call this part of Moscow the Zhopa Mira, or the asshole of the world. <laughs> That's what I call it, Christine. <laughs> I thought that name sounded familiar. I thought it was a cute pet name, but no. Apparently not. Huh? Say, can you say it again so I can type that into my phone I'm for your name? I'm probably not saying it right. How uh, do you spell Jopa, it? Z H O P A. Z H O P A. Mira. M I R A. Zopa Mira. I don't right. know if that, well, that's, that's probably so Especially your but... new name in my phone. Biggest Excellent. asshole in the world or whatever it was. Thank you. Asshole <laughs> of the world. Hey, there she goes. So this area was grim. Uh, It was concrete, half an hour outside the center of the city. And that's why it got this lovely, beautiful nickname that it shares with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) with all this training from his grandfather and at the park, uh, Petrushkin turned into a great chess player. He often, he started to beat the older men at their own game. He would regularly go and play games with them. And it was unfortunately a pretty pivotal and pretty sad moment in his life when his idol, his grandfather passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was pretty young, and so he had already, you know, lost his father at a young age, and now he was losing his father figure, his grandfather, yeah, uh, all over again. And so this took him, this hit him really hard. Uh, he had to move back in with his mother, and he spiraled into a deep depression. It led to uh, alcoholism, mm. and 
Natasha, his mother, always insisted later that, like, there's nothing out of the ordinary about her son at all. Um, but in the GQ article, they <laughs> they include that Natasha's explanation of him being so normal and uh, ordinary included the following fun facts about him. Oh, he had a cat named Mersic and a fish tank. And he loved the TV adaptation of Alexandre Dumas' Countess of Montsoreau. Uh, Wait, th- these are things that make him normal? Super quote? normal. Like, look how normal he is. It's like, oh, he has a cat and... Wait, did you say he has a cat and a fishbowl? A fish tank, yeah. A fish tank. Oh, okay. I thought it was just like an empty fucking bowl. Like, I think the... he had fish, I'm assuming. I was like, like that, by the like... way, is not fucking normal to just have yeah. an, an empty fish bowl with your he, cat. He has... <laughs> He has a cat in a fishbowl and they watch TV together. It's so normal. I wouldn't even worry about it. I was like, that would be like, ding, ding, ding. We got to get him in here. Like red flag, red flag. Um, She also insisted that this is a little bit cringe. uh, Even though he never showed any interest in women, he wasn't gay. Okay. God for fucking bed. Because that would not be normal. Uh Not normal. And she said, in fact, my son was actually going to marry someone. But then, like, had no information about that. So it's like, okay, lady. Like, like, maybe in, like, a prophecy way of, like, one day he would One day. I simply knew it. One day his prince will come. I don't know. Not his prince, Em. Princess. My bad. My princess. Please. So as much as she called him ordinary, he did some things that were, um, might I say, out of the ordinary. Like Uh, killing well, yeah, he did that for sure. But before that ever happened, he would hang out in the parks. He would sometimes hold up a child by their leg upside down and say, you are in my power now. I am going to drop you from a window and you will fall 15 meters to your death. Whoa. You had me. You had me at just lifting the kid by the leg because I was like, that's <laughs> fine. I've done that with kids like just as like a, like a wrestling thing. But for like fun. For fun. No, I The whole speech you just did. The rest was, of it. No, no. You are in my power now. No yikes if you're if you're holding a child by the leg and one they aren't giggling and two the next thing to come out of your mouth isn't one two three and then they land into like a land of fluffy pillows pillows whatever whatever the next move is don't do it just also make sure they don't have svt because that could trigger that (laughs) actually i i hope if they were to have SVT, I would love to be lifted upside down by my leg. And just, oh, that's a great point. But just don't throw them in a pool. That could end not the Just keep me hanging and just leave it there. Just okay. Stay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard it here first, you folks. Heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what this normal behavior was. Uh, another normal thing that he did was that he would walk around uh, threatening children and film it with his camcorder. Mm. Um, so his mother clearly just had a blind eye to all his, uh, you know, strange behavior i guess and um here's a little bit more about him there's an article called the exile where our our, uh, author marcia levine asked petrushkin about himself and said like hey why don't you give us some fun facts about you like like a getting to know you you know like celebrity profile type thing about him (laughs) can you imagine okay can you imagine and so he was asked about human life and he was quoted as saying human life is not too long it is cheaper than a sausage um I, it is, well, no, (laughs) not cheaper than a saw. I've had heard it here first. I have bought multiple sausages and cannot afford much of my life. So I beg to differ. I beg to differ on dreams. He said the following. I have nightmares. 
a dog. It lived with me a long time. She died. It was my fault. I treated it, how to say, not very. She could have been saved. It was a bad situation. It left something in my subconscious. But they're cheaper than a burrito. (sighs) That's human life. Oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, to be clear. On literature, he says, of course I don't write. Only Devki, which are uh, Russian slang for girls. Hmm. Only Devki write. Journalists, too, I suppose. That was his way of proving he's not gay, by the way. He was, duh. I don't write like one of those Sally's over there. Yeah. No, not not like a sissy. On friendship, he said, first of all, what is a friend? Whoa. Hmm. He has an empty fishbowl. So, like, yeah, he's probably confused about a lot of things. Um, (laughs) Your cat Maverick or whatever it was, I guess. Yeah. Uh, on, on traveling, I would like to live in Mexico. First, it is warm there. And secondly, there are forests. Maybe there I could live in a different way if I was there. Do you want to tell me there are no jungles? Like Freddy Krueger said, Elm Street exists in every city. What a quote. Do you want to know what his favorite book is? The, the Nightmare Before Elm Street or something? Or Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> Nightmare <What>? Before Elm Street. <laughs> Sorry, the Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, hmm, what was his favorite book? It's this one like got a laugh out of me. We could go a lot of directions here. Um, we could. It's a really random direction. Oh, the places you'll go, Dr. Seuss. Oh, that's fun. What? Sort of. It is in the same genre, probably. Uh, it's Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, you know, that's interesting. I'm I'm almost not surprised because I feel like if someone is having that hard of a time being able to socialize like that would good point or if if you're having if you have this whole strategic plan or if you're coming you don't even realize that you're already kind of conspiring or conjuring a plan to like win people's affection or to trick them out of it maybe but also he just said what is a friend i'm like you just read a book about it oh i didn't even i was totally in a different direction that's hysterical like right like i'm like didn't you just say that's your favorite book and then you're like what is a friend like what a what a uh a one-star review to the author of like you didn't teach me anything if any serial killer ever called our book their favorite book what a one star right like i don't want that on my hands i feel like oh man that's not what i wanted especially (laughs) like an instruction manual like dale carnegie's how to win friends and influence people i'd be like oh fuck i know i know oh boy okay and so uh on his first murder he said this first murder it's like first love it's unforgettable gross and then um that was it that was like kind of his little bio that he gave to uh to the magazine um so before we get into the massive amount of lives that uh, patishkin tragically took uh i i did want to say too there's unfortunately not that much information um and i don't know if part of this is because you know cold war i don't know if like i i did hear on the serial killers podcast that like records had been um disposed of uh you know, after a certain point. So I, I'm not sure why that is, but um, I just want to point that out if there's a limited amount of information on the victims themselves. Okay. Um, but so Petrushkin's first murder took place on July 27th, 1992. And it's something he'd never forget. Like I said earlier, he called it first love, uh, said it was unforgettable. Woof. 
uh, Petrushkin was only 18 years old. Uh, he was working in that supermarket, and it just so happened that 1992 was the same year Andre Chikatilo was officially convicted of murdering 52 people, and that's kind of when he was like, I want to be that guy. Boy. So Petrushkin had a crush on his neighbor, Olga, but she wasn't interested. Uh, Good, she, Olga. She had, a, she had a hunch about something. She knew, but she also had a boyfriend. So, like, back off. Yeah, two good reasons. Two good reasons to not. Two good reasons. But so when she rejected him, he did what any normal person would do, and he shoved her boyfriend out a window (gasps) to his death. Oh, yeah. And then what did he think was going to happen? She was going to jump into his arms and be like, "Thank God!" Like what? I I know. I think he was just angry, and he just snapped. Uh, He would later comment, "The closer the person is to you, the more pleasant it is to kill them. It's more emotional." Oh, I mean, I get that it would be more emotional because you were at one point invested in that person. Like, I yeah, guess by he, that's I guess, what he enjoys. Isn't that fucked up? A super duper fucked up. I mean, well, now you've got me wondering, like, if I were to kill someone, who would it be? And it's like, oh, God, well, oh, God, oh God, I don't, don't answer that on air. <laughs> I, well, the answer is I wouldn't fucking know. But I, I would certainly I can tell you with confidence if I were to kill a stranger versus my mother, I would certainly the mother one would be a a lot harder to get over i think yeah it seems like he prefers the emotional aspect to it which is disturbing oh my god i can't i can't even even just like the thinking about it i can't do it oh my god yeah it's pretty it's pretty sick Sick. Um, and sergey the boyfriend who who was killed uh his death was determined a suicide uh it was also speculated but never proven that Petushkin then killed Olga a year later because her body would be found in Pizza Park in Pizza Park uh, the following year. Um, Pizza Park is full of energy from this guy's life. Like, you yeah, could, this guy ruined that place. You could just film like like a a timeline, just get like every stage of his life in that same fucking it's location. It's disturbing. It is, uh, and so a few months later, Petushkin uh, recruited his friend Mikhail Odichuk for a killing expedition god and he invited him mikhail to pray the streets with him for a random kill whoa and wow mikhail thought it was a joke like not a he was just like okay weirdo like it's like his friend he was like so glad you said that because i was trying my first question was going to be how the fuck do you find somebody and then even begin that conversation with them and then luck out that they agree with you. Okay. I'm glad Mikhail was like, he thought he was joking, but Petrushkin thought, Oh great. Somebody who agrees with me and wants to do this. Like he fully believed that this other kid was like, Oh, all right, fun. It's just further proof that he is not able to one, like read the room socially. So that book really did fail him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also like, he's just like, so tunnel visioned or just unaware of anything anything of how to win friends and influence people he certainly failed that test (laughs) he did fail that test um supposedly when it became clear that uh mikhail was like uh wait we're actually killing somebody um petrushkin was like he's making fun of me and became enraged oh god by mikhail and murdered him by bashing him in the head yeah and it feels like um it feels like all he did was just like second guess it for certainly 
he st- no matter what read the room wrong for him to think oh he's making fun of me it's like yeah no one was making fun no of one was making fun of him like yo if you're really saying you're you want to kill a person the last thing anyone's gonna do is make fun of you but is be like that's hilarious right no the guy was like freaked out and yeah. and he read it as as att- i'm being rejected again i'm being laughed at i'm being mocked um, and so he killed him so it was after this that notably Petrushkin took a long hiatus from killing, but that hiatus ended in May of 2001 okay. uh, with the murder of 52-year-old Yevgeny Pronin because, as Petrushkin would later tell the court, for me, life without killing is like life without food for you. Whoa. Like, wow. So Yevgeny Pronin had been playing chess with Petrushkin, and when the game ended, he invited Yevgeny for a walk in the park. Uh, He told him, today's a sad day. My dog passed away a year ago today, and I want to go visit his grave. Will you join me and have a toast to my dog? Um, I brought some vodka. And the guy was like, sure, I'll walk with you. And so they walked into the park and Petrushkin uh, took the bottle of vodka and bludgeoned him over the head and threw him in a nearby well. Whoa. And killed him. Uh, From then until July 20... So this was May 17th, 2001. Whoa, okay. From May 17th, 2001 to July 21st, 2001, Petrushkin would kill a total of nine people. Whoa. And he finished that off with the disappearance of Viktor Volkov. And then before the end of 2001, so that was from May to July, then by the end of the year, he murdered another 10 people. Holy crap. All in a similar fashion. And then in early 2002, he killed two more. (gasps) Wow. So he really went from I'm taking a break to I'm going on a binge. A binge. Hardcore. And up until now, uh, he has been killing primarily men. Oftentimes, it's men at the park who play chess. Uh, He feels like they're easy targets. He tells them, I have vodka. My dog's grave is over here. Will you walk with me? And so Mm. in some ways, he can influence people, I guess, because he can just get them to walk with him into the park. I was going to say, also interesting that his most of his victims were men because normally, I would imagine if you're going to lure someone with a dog story, it's not men that don't know you. And that's the, you know what? And and, uh, that's another thing that they've speculated about the psychology perhaps he was targeting people he didn't think would be missed uh Mm. who were less likely to be uh you know cause a stir it could Uh, also be like a dominance play of like i also that like i'm smarter than this man or i you know i'm you know this guy might be able to get girls or make friends but i can you know trick him and kill him yeah well a lot of them were just older kind of loner old men who played chess at the park who Mm. were kind of who just like the most depressing sentence but just like wouldn't necessarily be missed by a lot of people because they just kind of had their same old same old routine um and he said uh at one point which i think i mentioned earlier he didn't care who he killed he just liked to kill so i don't think it was even necessarily like it was just a type access yeah exactly and like ease of access um, so up until now, he had primarily killed men, but that changed, unfortunately, on February 23rd, 2002, when he attacked 18-year-old Maria Viracheva, who was three months pregnant. Ugh. And this is uh, the last bit before part one is over, and this is oh. like probably the wildest fucking story. I don't know. It's 
It's wild. All right. So buckle up. So he had spotted Maria on one of the streets nearby. She was crying devastatingly after she had had an argument with her boyfriend and was worrying about how she'd be able to afford things uh, for the baby now that they had separated. So Petrushkin came over to comfort her. He introduced himself, told her, like, I live right over there. They bonded over the fact that they lived like right by each other. Um, he then offered to help her out financially he said oh i have some cameras that i like some camera equipment that i have hidden in bits of park and if you want you can come with me and uh, i'll give you some of it to sell and you can make money that way uh by selling some of this leftover camera equipment i'm hiding what? in the park i was gonna say what a tale like to even start with like i'm hiding expensive equipment like yeah why so, like who are you watching or you Okay, it's already not a stable story. That's it's already a, a red flag story, yeah. So as they were walking um, through the park, he's comforting her. It got darker. She became a little bit on edge. She had to get up early the next morning for work. She hadn't planned to be out this late. Um, pretty soon they approached a well, and he says, oh, this is where I hide the equipment. Well, before she knew it, Petrushkin grabbed her by the hair and threw her down the well. <sighs> And when she started to fight back from falling, he slammed her head into the iron well cover <gasps> repeatedly until she let go and fell 25 feet into the sewage pipe. Oh, my God. That is where she was pulled under the water for some time. Um, and by water, I mean sewage. Uh, she was stuck in this pitch black sewage pipe. She made the smart decision to take off her clothes and boots, which made it easier to stay afloat. Mm -hmm. She swam around for a bit. She fumbled around. She was finally able to, uh, manage to get a hold of the sides of the mm -hmm. pipes so that she could in the dark kind of make her way along the pipes. Mm -hmm. Um, again, she had a major head wound because he had bashed her head in and like, repeatedly. And like, this is like the smallest thing to even care about right now, but like on there's a head wound and she's swimming around in sewage. So like think of the infection it's also causing. That's it's the last thing you would want near an open wound. I would imagine. Exactly. So she eventually found another well. She walked for about an hour and she managed to find another well. This one had a ladder attached to it. So she climbed up, but unfortunately the exit was blocked by a manhole cover Ugh. and she pushed with all her might, but the 90 pounds uh, was so heavy that she only managed to move it a couple inches. Um, and she had been uh, under, she was there overnight. So by dawn, she had finally managed to move the manhole cover a couple inches. Um, and she could see out to yeah. people in the park, but they could not hear her screaming. They could not. Her voice was hoarse at this point. They couldn't see her. They couldn't hear her. People were just living about their day. But eventually, one woman froze in horror as she watched the manhole cover shift a little bit. Yeah, okay. So Maria's like, oh my God, I'm saved. Somebody saw me. And then she's horrified to see the woman turn and run in fear in the other direction oh, oh no so now maria's like that's it i'm fucking toast like no one's gonna see me that's i can't move this thing anymore uh then thank the lord like a guardian angel this woman who ran in fear was actually running to get security to come see what was going on with this manhole cover so mm. They came back a few minutes later with security guards and they were able to pull Maria free. She was rushed off to the hospital where she was interviewed by policemen. She survived and thankfully her baby was unharmed. Oh, good. 
but uh, she dutifully relayed all the information she had. She had his full name, his address, remember? Because he said, like, oh, I live right there. Yeah. And so you're, like, thinking, yes, they got him. Um, but remember, this is only the end of part one because... Uh, had he lied she, about his address and his number and all that? Nope. She told them all the correct information. And according to uh, an article in Lad Bible, this cop... Promised to tell her boyfriend she was safe and get him to bring some clothes for her, but only if she pretended she had fallen into the well. What? Herself. And the reasoning behind this is that Maria had moved to Moscow from a smaller town, and apparently at the time, you needed uh, to be registered to live in Moscow, and she did not have the proper paperwork, so she uh. was sort of living quasi-illegally in Moscow. And if Maria stayed quiet, he wouldn't expose her illegal habitation. Um, so basically, we're dealing with a lazy cop who said, oh, you're living here illegally? Well, I'm just going to hold that over your head to close this case there is a little bit of a glimmer of justice here which is that uh later down the line this policeman would be put in prison for incompetence so well not a moment too soon i guess not a moment too soon the slightest amount of justice which oftentimes we don't even see that so at least that's a positive um and then the guy i mentioned earlier andre supernenko the future senior investigator on the case would later say about this officer His only motive was, I do not want to work. That's all. He did not need to search for anyone or prove anything. If only he had worked properly, then Petrushkin would have been detained. We would then not have seen more than half the corpses. Whoa. If they had stopped him that day, they would have been able to stop to save probably 30 some people. And is that why he ended up in jail? Because he was quasi responsible for 30 deaths. Wow. And had just blown the case so majorly. And that is the first half of the Alexander Petrushkin case. Wow. This is a good one. Isn't this bananas? I feel like you've been on a real high lately. I've been on a roll. I feel like I came back to the show and wanted to prove myself, you know? I know. Well, <laughs> I, well. Oh, speaking of, speaking of uh, well, not really maternity leave, but babies in general, do you want to give an update on your sleep schedule? Oh, well, you know, we moved her to her crib and she's doing actually really well. And I learned why she didn't like to sleep in her bassinet. And it's because she sleeps like this. Oh, God. Oh, she sleeps completely like a backwards croissant. I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> like she back bends so far back. She's and her so- head goes all like I'll send you a photo. Her head goes all the way back, and that's how she sleeps. And I'm like, no wonder you weren't comfortable in your bassinet, and all you did was slam your feet down all the time. She was trying to get in this weird sideways position. She's just a stretchy little baby. I, I also one of my go-to sleeps is like this. Yeah, I sleep with my hands behind my head too, and she also does that when she's uh, not um, just actually like sideways, giving you in a. Uh... It's very relaxing. Ooh, it just gave me a nice good stretch. Just even it gives you a good stretch. Didn't even mean to do that. No, that's a that's a go to for me. Are you a are you usually a back sleeper or a side sleeper? I fall asleep on my side and always wake up on my back with my arms like this. I do the same thing. <laughs> do you have a certain side you always sleep on? Um, I usually sleep on my. Well, that's you know I did, and then during pregnancy they ask you to sleep on the other side, and so I now I just mm. kind of switch. I always so I. <laughs> On top of my other medical conditions, uh, I have some really gnarly heartburn or like oh yeah, like a like acid reflux, and so uh, I can only sleep on my left side. 
Yep, that'll do it. And that's a that's the Crohn's move too. Is and it? the pregnancy move. Yeah. Because with acid reflux and stuff, you had to sleep on your left side. Yeah. Um, on my right side, I two seconds into sleeping on my right side, I'm in so much pain. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And then well, you should try this one. Well, that's the back oh, bent. I do. That's that's a good way. Also, um, I well, my the grossest thing about me with sleeping is that if I ever do like roll over in my sleep to a and end up on my right side the next time i roll over onto my left side i'll like the the gas in my body like escapes and so i just belch while i'm sleeping really it's so gross that's actually like fascinating <laughs> anytime i'm lying like allison and i every night we're like watching tiktoks and then when i roll over to my left side it's like everything all that buildup has to evacuate oh, no. and i just spend the next five minutes like belching like a monster it's so gross it's you and my baby have a lot in common i know you already know that <laughs> but like it's sounding familiar already <laughs> i am i am just a 30 year old baby that's it so well i'm 29 hang on a second i was it's gonna just say hang on that's the first time you called yourself that i'm just but, start, um, i'm starting to get into the 30 thing because i'm like you it, might as well embrace it i'm basically like well i'm not getting into it but i'm trying to like mentally prepare i'm like i've only got three months left in my 20s so like i might as well keep i might as well keep going on this i'm gonna post a i'm gonna send you this photo and then we can post it because i don't know i feel like i'm gonna post more shit on instagram but if you post a picture of you sleeping with the post i will will post a picture of me sleeping how about that (laughs) okay (laughs) deal see if there's a similarity deal (laughs) all right right. well thanks everybody for listening and that's why we drink (laughs) bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and not or see what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in america